Hello and welcome to the Undead Wookie Podcast, episode 30, An American Werewolf in London. Hello and welcome back. The Undead Wookie is a fortnightly-ish podcast focusing on horror and sci-fi, but there will be times where we dip into other genres because here at the Undead Wookie, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Hello and welcome back. We've got a belter of an episode lined up for you this evening or this morning or this afternoon, whenever you're listening. But before I introduce my fantabulous guest, let's check out the trailer. This is the story of two young American students traveling through England on a night of the full moon. I heard that. What was it? Could be a lot of things. Fate let one live. A lunatic must have been a very fierce fellow. Wasn't a lunatic. What? A wolf. Oh, be serious, would you? And now everything is changing. 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 John Landis, the brilliant young director of Animal House and the Blues Brothers, has turned a classic tale of terror into something new. Something different. Excuse me. A naked American man stole my balloon. I'm a werewolf. An American werewolf in London. Something different. So, after the trailer. I am joined by the one, the only, Mr. Leighton Winston. How the devil are you, sir? Good evening to you. I notice the moon is not full this evening, so we're okay to go ahead. <laughs> we should be okay. Neither of us will be training. We should be. Should be. Neither of us are transforming at any point during this. So. No. no, no. Well, <laughs> no. let's hope, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So we are now talking an American werewolf in London. From 1981. I was shot in 1981. Yeah, yeah, 81. Um, Written and directed by uh, John Landis. Yes. um, At probably his strongest point in his filmmaking career. Yeah. Um, You know, it's... um, We've we've said it repeatedly about um, directors... Um, their early films, and then they're hitting their nadir, and then perhaps a slight, de- you know, de-escalation of the films they're producing, and then a waning you know, of their powers. Yes, yes. So eloquently put. Yes. Um, um, yeah, and um, at least we forget this is this is a, a genuine horror film, but a genuine comedy film as well. Yeah, it's something that's. Yeah. That many films try to marry together. Some do get away with it, you know. Others really don't. Uh, <laughs> this is the 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 absolute, you know. I wouldn't say it's the pinnacle. Um, it's because it's a, f- a phenomenal film that it is. Yeah. Um, you know, and people, lots and lots of people, would probably say it's one of their one of their favorite films of all time. Their favorite horror film of all time. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But. Um, as a standalone film, 
uh, it to go on. It's it's just brilliant. It's, oh, it's it, really, I, really and brilliant. Watching it again the other day on Saturday, actually sitting down and watching it. And I did mine yesterday. You did? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did it yesterday. Did sitting yesterday. down and watching it, you just you forget there are so many little touches, little um, nuances, so, so many little moments in it. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, we'll touch on some of those in a little bit, but there are just, and there are moments of real tension, genuine yeah. tension, and then yeah, yeah. intercut with moments of just r- ridiculousness. Yeah, um, but in that not in that awful ridiculous way, but in that sort of that, no, that comedic no. sense. Yes, yes. Um, as you said, we will go into them. Um, those little moments of absolute sheer horror, alongside absolute hilarity. And, yeah, you know, yeah. With, with, it, without making it jarring or without making it uh, a turn of face, it actually runs concurrently and runs concurrently brilliantly and that is purely down to John Landis's script and his, his at times brilliant direction oh it, it, it is just, yeah yeah and seamless yeah and um, you know it, it, it it's everything everything knits together um, and it knits together brilliantly yeah um, you know, this 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 go from the off then when when the film starts that the slaughtered lamb sequence the the first time you ever go to the slaughtered lamb yeah um it's so utterly utterly brilliantly executed it is the classic meet the locals oh yeah yeah and I mean if you, you think know, about like things that have sort of you know when we look at particularly in British TV when you look at League of, the League of Gentlemen. Yeah, you know, you can yeah. see the influence in this and you can see, you know, and this is something that has been sort of trying to be, these moments have been re- trying to be replicated throughout, throughout cinema, yeah. but it's never done as effectively. And I think part of the reason why is the cast of character actors and the co- quality of character actors who are in that pub. Yeah, yeah, you know, you've you've got your obvious standouts, you know, we Brian Glover, obviously, and David Schofield. Yeah, and you know, Rick Rick Mail just being a presence in the background. Yeah, yeah, um, you, you know, along along with the rest of the cast, you know, and at least we forget this is the arse end of the seventies and the early end, the, the beginning of the eighties, yeah. where everything, yeah. where you know, where Brown was the main fashion mainstay of, of, <laughs> of that era. You know, dysentery beige. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know everything was brown, brown walls, brown flooring, brown furniture, brown jackets, brown jumpers. Yeah. Oh, he's wearing fawn. Oh, rebel! Um, <laughs> you know, but um, you know everything was sort of dour, and you know that's that is a sign of the times, you know. But um, you know that 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 moment, that moment when that that splash of red in that puffer jacket walks through yeah. the door, and everything yeah. just stops, and it's like. Oh my god! This is quite possibly the most awkward setup to a scene you yeah. you will ever likely like. And I mean, see. even down to when they sit down and they try to order food, and this yeah. is the eighties now. So bear in mind, you couldn't walk into a pub. You know, the idea of top cuisine in a you know a British village pub would have been pork scratchings, or you know, <laughs> maybe a bacon fry. <laughs> 
or, or, or if at, at, at the most exotic a ploughman's role or something like that, isn't it? Um, but you, you know, you, you, when you when you look, think and watch that scene, and then when you think back to it, and you take in what is in there, there's tension, there's awkwardness, yeah. there's there's there's, there's a pr- quite prevalent jokes to the modern yes. times, yeah. the, the, yeah. the Alamo joke, like yeah. you know, yeah, or, or you know, but the humor, is, the humor in that that scene as well, it's quite gallows humor as well, isn't oh, it? Oh yeah, completely, um, completely, you know. But you know, it's it's and it's the, the prevailing dread around everything within that. What is it? It's not not even ten minutes. No, it's no, no. About, yes, but I would just probably about eight, you know between seven and eight minutes. And yeah, yeah, and you know everything isn't. It's not amplified. It's not ratcheted up. It's not a slow no, build. No, it's just uncomfortable, and it's just the way that it's staged and struck as a shot as well. And you know. You know, when everything is is literally over the moment you said, oh, "What's that on what's the that? <laughs> what's that on, on the wall?" You know, and as soon as that dart misses, oh, you know, and dear. it's the way. I mean, Paul Schofield is an intense actor. I mean, you know, he has done umpteens of television. Uh, I mean, he's been in everything from you know from this to Gladiator. Um, yeah. you know, you name it, any sort of almost any kind of Dickensian uh, period drama, he, he appears as that kind of heavy, you know, yeah. and, you know, and the the minute he says, "You made me miss," it and it's David just David Schofield. David, David Schofield. Why did I say Paul Schofield? Schofield? Who's Paul Schofield? Philip's brother. <laughs> <laughs> No idea. Is Paul Schofield an actor? Is it, is it an actor? Yeah, there's a Paul, Paul Schofield. Schofield. Anybody out there be. who is listening to this and knows who Paul Schofield is, uh, let us know. <laughs> um, yeah, but like not David Schofield, you know, that moment where he he turns around and says, you made me... And the, the level of threat, because you just know that those yeah. boys are going to have an absolute hiding. Yeah, yeah. And... You know, it's it's the the the, sh- the shutting up of the shop, isn't it? Almost, yeah, you know, yeah. it's the um, you know, it's the it's the right on your way, boys. You know, God be with you and all the rest. And you know, it's like, hang on now, you send in these two wet behind the ears American lads out into a full moon, knowing full well what what's out there. Like yeah, to go, what's yeah. going down? And you know, it's. You can see it's clearly uncomfortable amongst the patrons. They they know what happens. They yeah. know this. Yeah. What's going on? But yet they still let them. You know. Uh, and, yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and, and into their death almost, isn't it? You know. And like, I mean, and Brian Glover is just you know, like I said, he flips from that sort of jovial guy who tells the joke. Yeah. To that yeah. sort of stick to the path. You yeah, know, and it, it yeah. is that, it, and it's 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 terrifying. It is genuinely yeah. terrifying, especially when the howl starts and the bar the, the bar lady goes, "Listen, did you hear it?" And his his response, "I hear nothing." And yeah, it goes again, and then uh, David Schofield went, "Nor I," and you just think, "Oh my god!" You know, <laughs> just... And then again, then juxtaposed to that is that you've got the two boys, you know. Um, Stick to the path. Whoops. Yeah. You know, where are we? And then, again, you go from the slaughtered land sequence to the actual death of um, Jack and the attack yeah. on David. And I think this is quite a good point, actually, to sort of credit 
the casting of David Norton and Griffin Dunn together because, yeah, yeah, they do totally. share an awful lot of a lot of scenes together. Yeah, Lion Share obviously is David Norton, um, but the thing is that that chemistry that they've obviously got is, yeah. is there for everyone yeah. to see. Even even though they are terrified beyond belief, and you genuinely feel. Um, you know that the impend the, the, oh, yeah, the impending yeah. horribleness is about to happen. Um, you know they're still joking, they're still taking the piss, they're still ribbing. It's each very other. real. It's a very yeah. real scene. It is a very yeah. real, and particularly that moment where they go, "It's in front of us." Yeah, and then you, you realise, "Oh my!" You know, they, they, there's no way they're getting out of this. There is no, no. way on earth either of them will be getting out of no. it. No, and again, that sequence is so cleverly shot because basically you see them trying to hot tail it out of a moor at the end of the day. Yeah. And they're walking that much quicker, that much quicker, yeah. that much quicker. Yeah. And, they, and it's, you know, they stop dead. And then the camera doesn't show anything, but it pans around them. Yes. And they, they, they're still looking in the distance. And, you know, you don't see anything. No, but no, going, and, and that's the magic of that, isn't it? It's that sort of... Cause if you, you, and this is the thing, you don't get an awful lot of full shots of the werewolf. Well, no, no. And <laughs> coming on to that later, um, there's probably pretty good reason for it, isn't it? Because um, at least we forget, and I, I'm not trying to jump ahead on anything, but yeah. the actual transformation sequence itself took a week to film. Oh my god! Yeah, just yeah. That when the sequence, you know, which we'll come back to because we we have yeah. to. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But but um, you know, you, you just look in, in like those those slight little moments. Those, you know, it's not. Yes, it's it, it is ultimately shocking when the attack happens and the aftermath of it. Um, but you know, it's just so expertly done, and at least we forget it was shot in mid Wales. Yes. Um, uh, albeit, albeit that the slaughtered lamb isn't in Mid Wales. No, it's a it's a pub called the Black Swan um, in Surrey, which I had to pass last year. <laughs> and I'm sure you were able to nip in. I wasn't. My oh. <laughs> it, it, don't right. It, long story short, uh, we were visiting friends, staying with friends, and literally as we were the day before we were going, he goes, "Oh, when you when you're on your way, you'll be passing the slaughtered lamb." I'm like. What are you talking about? And he's like, "Well, the, the actual pub they used for yeah. the interior is a pub just up the road from us in the next yeah. village." And yeah. I was like, "Oh, right." And literally, as we were travelling out of the blue, he's like, "Oh my god, there's a black swan!" <laughs> <And he's gone>. <laughs> <laughs> for whatever, for yeah, for whatever reason, we never go back to actually go in there. Oh, I've I've actually passed it. So, well, know. yeah. I mean, the thing is, as well with that scene, is you get the classic double bluff moment because yeah. they're walking away and it's been done so many times since and David falls over. Yes. Uh, no, Jack falls yeah. over. Sorry, Jack falls over and it's like, shit. And then he's sort of like, well, you better pick me up, you asshole. And yeah. then there's the attack. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, um, it's, 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 it's incredibly simplistic a scene and, you know, when when the the attack actually happens, you 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 you're in close quarters to you're not yeah, standing yeah, yeah, from afar, yeah. and um, you know again that could be down to budget constraints, um, utilizing the area that you have, but you know it's expertly done, um, and it is so 
brutal and visceral. The noise of that attack with Jack screaming. Yeah, yeah. And then the reveal then, after the gunshot, I do apologise. Sorry. Sorry. The the reveal, you know, after the gunshot, and it's a close quarters, it's it's a a headshot, isn't it? And then he turns his head... And there's a man lying by the side of him. And then, you know, you can see the locals all sort of gathering over. Yeah. Which, which, ironically, is almost used again in what's what's the most famous music video of all time. Oh, it's definitely got to be Kajagoogoo's. um... (laughs) Too shy? (laughs) Yeah, it's got to be. No, 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 I mean, a a certain uh, Jackson... Yes. Okay. Yes. I, well, so, you know, something that you, one hit wonder. Yeah. Water glove. <laughs> managed to set fire to himself on a Pepsi advert. I don't. I don't think he set himself on fire. <laughs> oh no, that was Richard Pryor freebasing. That's oh, right. Yeah. That was the one. Yeah. 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 E- easily confused. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you say so. Um, no. Uh, as as you know, as the rest of the same world knows. Um, <laughs> Michael Jackson, um, when making Thriller, when they were talking about the video, he said, well, what about the man who made American Werewolf in London? Yeah. And yeah. If, if you're of a certain age or a certain demographic, when Thriller was released, it was released as a short film. Um, but with that short film came a phenomenal making of, which was about an hour long. Yeah, like yeah, and it was huge. And it was massive. And it genuinely, genuinely is a phenomenal behind the scenes it access all area yeah yeah um everything everything done from the actual makeup process to the to the choreography to the to how are they going to shoot it how are they going to light it and, and and literally everything and it, i always it's one thing that always sticks out that when i watch that documentary fucking loads of times yeah like loads of us yeah of a certain age when you watch a documentary when john landis had the call initially he's he was said um We've been contacted by Michael Jackson. He'd like you to direct the, uh, his new video. And he went, what? Little Ma- Michael Jackson from the Jackson 5? Because that's how we remembered him. Was the yeah. young boy. Not yeah. like, you know, this... this the superstar. This, this, this burgeoning superstar, like, would at least, at least we forget, off the wall, which is a phenomenal pop. Oh, it is, by, yeah. By yeah. anybody, right? Yeah. But yet, he was about to become the biggest star the world would ever seen. Oh, completely, completely. Just on the cusp. And, you know, John Landis still added his mind, this little, you know, 12, 13-year-old Singing boy, Ben. Singing Ben with his brothers, you know, on TV on a Saturday morning. But he'd sort of passed him by entirely. But, um, you know, they got on board. They, they clicked, obviously, so much so. They went back to make um, Black or White years later. Yeah, yeah. You know, which sort of introduced to a lot of people CGI and things like that. But um, you can see, you know, in Thriller, there's a lot of harking yeah. back to um, American Werewolf, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. Know? yeah. I mean, even down to, like, the, you know, the, even though the transformation is nowhere near, it's an impressive transformation, but it's nowhere near the depth of the transformation that takes place in this film. No, no. And you are right. Um, the Thriller transformation is is brilliant. It is. It's, it's so so brilliantly done and I think this probably is the point now we we actually talk about the work of 
Rick Baker. Oh God! And I mean, I mean, Rick Baker is an absolute. And I mean, here's the other thing as well: werewolf movies have traditionally not been great. No, no, I, I, I would agree with that. And it's to emphasise, I've my my note actually says the transformation sequence. I'll argue there's not been a better one before or since. No, no, one. and I mean, like if you think about, like in 1981, it was kind of the year year of the werewolf movie because the Howling came out, yeah, um, Wolfen came out. Um, and I'm sure there was another one, but it, it escapes. So there was these, you know, there were some big werewolf movies that got sort of mm. released at the time, yeah. and then it got me thinking actually about some of the best transformations. Yeah, and like in my head, some of the best werewolf transformation is, you know, you've got the Company of Wolves, um, the Neil Jordan film, which yeah. is like the retelling of the, you know, the, some of the the grim tales. Um, it's red, 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 yeah, it? yeah. It's which is uh, you know it's it's a brilliantly insane film where Charles mm. Dance plays the devil and he appears in like a big Cadillac in the <laughs> middle of the forest. It's mind blowing. It is completely mind bending. But the transformation in that is absolutely unreal. And then of course you got um, Evil Ed's transformation in Fright Night. I love, <laughs> I love that. Is such a great transformation. Yeah, I, 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 I get, get what you're saying, but I mean... But it still doesn't it's, compare to this. No, no. Um, you know, you, you could use any sort of transformation from any type of film. You could, you could even say Cronenberg's The Fly if you want to then, right? Yeah, I mean, that is, that is a, you know, that's another that's, level of body horror. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, but, you know, you, if we're talking about... You know, transfer physical transformation sequences in any type of film. Yeah, um, you will. Not, I always remember um, um, I, uh, my mother, perhaps, or a relative, saying that they they went to the pictures because it was. At least we forget this film was an absolute box office smash. We're talking about an X-rated film at that time. Yeah, I mean, teen-rated. You know, it does. It, it very, very rarely does that happen. We Ten million dollar budget. Film. Yeah, sixty-two million dollar return. Incredible, absolutely incredible for the time, you know, and you know, critically lauded as well. Um, yeah, I think that needs yeah. to be uh, like apart from, guess who didn't like it? Oh, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, the American. Um, oh, put me on my misery. Um, Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert. Yeah. Well, Roger I mean, Ebert didn't like it, which I find fascinating, to be honest, because I mean, he, you know he had a massive thing about about horror. He had a yeah. huge thing where he just could not. He just, he just, for whatever reason, whatever reason, he just could not get along with it. No, no, and you know, without going into too fine detail, you know, the, the film. Well, coming back to Rick Baker, the film was a huge, huge box office success worldwide. Yeah, um, Rick Baker quite rightly won the Oscar for best. Um, special effects yeah um yeah simply because you know the transformation sequence as i said earlier took a week to film that yeah. one sequence that takes <sighs> 10 minutes if that yeah in the film because it is it's not a quick transformation everything is and it's painful it's, it's drawn out yeah painful 
bones are stretched, bones are adjusted. Yeah. Um, spines are set. Every single bone gets its sound. Yeah. And do you know what's the bit that really gets me? And it's nobody's lying on his back. Yes. And it just, you can just, him, you can see him moving, but it's the idea of everything inside him is just, is squishing and contract. And the, Fucking noise of it is just <laughs> oh. yeah, and it's it's the one um, where his face starts to stretch Ext- as well, and yeah. it sounds like a, like a drum skin being pulled backwards with somebody's fingernails raking down the it's side of it. Just oh, oh my and days. it's and it's his scream transforming into the howl yeah. as well. That is yeah. that that's yeah, and oh. in the midst, in in the midst of all of this, there's two. So Belly aches in the middle of it. The one when he goes, ah, I didn't mean to call you meatloaf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, the other part then, the genius idea to cut to the the, do- the Mickey Mouse doll. Yeah. You've got this guy going, this sheer absolute hell of transformation. And to cut to it, you've got happy smiley Mickey. Yeah. Who doesn't move and no. doesn't do anything and just stays there. Now, there is one flaw with that transformation scene. Right. How does he get out of the fucking house? Now, now this is something I've long wondered, especially because uh, just not long before that, he locks himself out, the out of the house. And, yeah. And the only way he gets in is climbing through a window. So yeah. how the fuck did he get out of the house? Now, he's a, look, I've got two dogs, right? Henry, you know, my boxer dog's a fairly big one. There's no way on earth he is slickly going to fit through anything. Now, that werewolf is like five times the size of him. <laughs> you know, that window's coming out. Something is going to break. Yeah, yeah. And there's no damage to the flat either. No, no. But, then, but then, you know... Do Does we it put matter? It down to, no, exactly. Is, Does do it we matter? Put it down no. to suspension of belief, no. Because if you're worried about everything that happened in the film, then, you know, you wouldn't get anywhere in life, would we, and I mean, be honest. The other thing as well that, you know, we talk about the makeup is the makeup effects of Griffin Dunn decomposing oh. as the film goes on. That first scene where he appears in the hospital. Can and, I get some toast? And he's dipping it. <laughs> and it's the flap of skin. On his neck, yeah. that's just going back and forth. Yeah, yeah. And, and he like, turns to David, you're hurting my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you ever talked to a corpse? It's boring. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's um, it's absolutely staggering. Even to the point where you last see Jack, um, when, when he's basically a skull. Yes. Now, I, I, I never knew this, but... Um, when it got to that point, you know, if you if you don't know how makeup works, then the fuck you listening to us this for. <laughs> but basically, when you make somebody up, you put layers, isn't it? What yeah, they wanted yeah, was, yeah. was it was a corpse to de- you know to, to de- decay, uh, decay. Yeah. And when it got to that that final part where <laughs> you see a Jack in the back of the cinema, yeah, um, and he's basically a skull. Well, they did. They um, because they couldn't take layers off Griffin Dunn. They basically made a, pap- a, um, a puppet. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they decomposed the puppet down, so then they revealed the skull. But basically, what they did when they filmed it, obviously they had somebody controlling the skull and everything. They still had Griffin Dunn sat behind him. So every time you and again you see the hand touching the face. Yeah. If the, you know the skeletal hand touching yeah. parts of the body, that's Griffin Dunn. Yeah. So Griffin Dunn is talking alongside doing. Everything else, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
I mean, and, um, there's a brilliant um, story of Griffin Dunn when he was on set of this. Yeah. Um, he went. He went to the trailer um, to use the facilities. Yeah. And so he sat on the toilet, and suddenly his trailer gets towed away. <laughs> they towed his trailer away whilst he was in there using the facilities. Well, going to that Piccadilly Circus when he stood outside the porno theatre, and he's he's in like the full makeup, yeah, you know, yeah. just before you see him last. Apparently, when when they were building up to filming the scene and everything. He took off and walked around Piccadilly Circus, just you know, it's mingling just amongst the, <laughs> the throngs, not saying anything, no. just walking along like you know, this rotting corpse. No. You know, and uh, they shot American Werewolf in London in pretty much sequence, in order, man. Yeah. However, the first thing that John Landis shot was the porno in the in the in the in the cinema. <laughs> he actually <laughs> shot that, and. Yeah. Um, do you know what the name of the porno is called? See you next Wednesday. See you next Wednesday. And the 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 person who was in it um, was a well known Page Three model at the time. Uh, Lindsay, Lin- Drew. Lindsay Drew. Lindsay who, Drew. Oh, Brenda Bristol's. Yeah, Brenda Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and even in that moment, you know, even during that moment where, you know, there is a corpse, a rot, essentially a rotting-down corpse talking to a man who is questioning his own sanity about, you know, is he going mental or, or is he really a werewolf? And you've got the noise yeah. of the film going on. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. you've got he... the, the bloke who walks in on the couple. <laughs> and he says, you promised you'd never do this again. And then the guy turns in the film and says, I promised no such thing. It's like, not you. And then it's, it's <laughs> do you, are you? I don't know if you're aware of this, um, but are you aware of the "see you next Wednesday" th- a theory? No, go on, go on. Right, I can't. I, I'm surprised you don't know this. John Landis's films always feature "see you next Wednesday," be it billboards, be it a character says it. Or in the case of this, it's the name given to a hawky British porn movie. Do you know? I did not know that. It's in. It's in about. Uh, let me think. It's in this. It's in Blues Brothers. It's in Spice Like Us. Definitely. It's in Trading Places. It's in Twilight Zone. It's in. Uh, it's in a bunch of his films. Oh, I'll have to. It I'll have to look. Yeah. Yeah. It basically, it stems from. Um, 2001 A Space Odyssey, right? Yeah. There's a video message sent to one of the astronauts. Um, I've, I've got 2001. I couldn't tell you the names of any Oh, no, 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 no. Um, great film, Mike. Still brilliant. Yeah. Um, but on one of the video messages, the father signs off and his line is, right, we're off now, son. See you next Wednesday. Right, yeah. And, whatever he, and John Landis has latched onto that and used it repeatedly in his films. That's genius. I did not know that. Absolutely loads and loads. Pretty much, if you looked at all of his filmography, has got a reference to See You Next Wednesday. There's even a, a See You Next Wednesday reference in um, the black and white video. Uh, the, uh, do you know, the, the, um, the dance sequence at the end, the yeah. half sequence, if I'm honest. Yeah. The, the, he dances on a car. The, the car yeah, 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 yeah. 
and it's got SW NW or SYNW written in the dust on the vehicle. That, see, how have I missed that? How have I missed that? I, I honestly thought you would no, I be totally, fully all over that. I totally missed that. I, it's yeah, just saving yeah. me by. That's genius. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it's, it's years and years and years he's been doing it. Years and years. See, now I'm completely oblivious to that. But yet, you know... You're too, you're too, too focused on other matters in that film anyway. Good well, movie. Yes. Good movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing, right? When you look at the cast for this, you've got... Yes. Obviously, we've said you've got David Norton as yeah. uh, as David. You got Jenny Agatha, isn't it? Um, <laughs> she's uh, lovely. You know, gr- she's she's always shot in soft focus as well, isn't it? Yes. I don't know if you've ever noticed. She's always in soft focus. Everybody else is quite hard, you know, and everything. But Jenny Agatha, as soon as she comes on camera, everything is soft and fluffy, and, lovely. <laughs> and she's very gentle throughout the whole thing. Yeah, even when she realizes her boyfriend's a wolf, you know, she's still sympathetic and, you know. It's <laughs> a keeper. You know, she's a keeper. How she's do you know? a keeper. Well, actually, I turn every full moon into a psychotic wolf that eats people. Um, and yeah. my dead best I, I, friend I, I, comes to talk to me. Yeah, and, you know, um, you know, I, 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 my boyfriend is a, a mass murderer, you know. <laughs> Of, of little or no remorse, but he assures me he never remembers it. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got Griffin Dunn, um, yeah, who is I th- for me. I I I just love I love seeing him on screen. I think he's just absolutely every time he's on, he, he is outstanding in this. He is outstanding. Yeah, um, he's, he's you he's you, brilliant. He's his one liners. You know, yeah. and I, I tell you one line I really do like in it is when again going back to the, the cinema sequence where he's talking in the back row and he's saying, "Look, you're going to have to kill yourself." Yeah, yeah. And then he introduces the the the, the, the murder victims, <laughs> and um, you know they all have their, 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 their you know their ten pence worth. Like you know, you could hang yourself. No, no. You know, you could break your neck, and I really wouldn't want you to be in pain and all the rest. And he goes. Um, uh, you could shoot yourself, shoot yourself in the head, <laughs> shoot yourself in the mouth, get it done proper. And, he, and David goes, well I, well, I have to get a silver bullet. And, and Jack goes, oh, no, you don't need a silver bullet. You know, it sort of debunks like, myths and theories and like, in yeah. regards to werewolves in one line. And I think, oh, yes, and it's that, I like your train And it's when he turns around and like they say to him, you know, and he says, but, oh, no, you, you do it wrong and you could break in it and you choke. And then, yeah, like one of them said, yeah. yeah, good enough." He goes, "Do you mind?" He like tells <laughs> yeah. them off. Yeah, you know, yeah. you've got and John Woodvine. Harry, sorry, I was going to say, and Harry and Judith are so chipper, even though oh, they've been more the, death. It's the fact that she smiles the entire time. <laughs> yes, you could shoot yourself in the head. Yeah, yes. I mean, the first yeah, guy, yeah. the f- the first victim. Um, is it Gerald Bringley? Yes, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, and that scene on the London Underground is absolutely chilling. That yeah. scene is, and it's one of my, fa- it's got one of my favourite shots in the whole film. In that is where it's shot from the top of the escalators, and you yes. see him lying there, and then you see the werewolf just slowly yeah. coming. That is just, it's 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 an outstanding moment. That that actually gives you 
your size ratio as to the size of the creature. Oh, it? yeah, yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you never really see a full body shot then, for want of a better description. Um, you see parts of it, don't you? Yes, and yeah, yeah. When you, when, when you see it walking towards the stairs and you see it's like a fucking bear almost, it's so yeah, wide. Yeah, And, you know, it's trending towards it and... Yes, in the Piccadilly Circus sequence, when it's going along and it's snapping at people, yes, you can see this little wheels that it's being pulled along <laughs> the trolley, but you don't worry about that. Maybe it was one of those just, dogs that needed surgery and needed the wheels and the back legs for a little while to help it get exactly. around. You know, it's exactly. a, it, it, it happens. It happens. It happens. It happens. It happens to the best of us. Super you know? vet was there. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and a crack team of um, of uh, marksmen as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, so I rudely interjected again, and you would say, "No, it's okay." You got John Woodvine in this, who is is again is a is a great British character actor, and did loads and loads and loads and loads on TV, and you know, did uh, he's just a really good presence in the film. And again, when he goes to East Proctor, um, and he sat in the pub, man. yeah, I, I love it when he walks into the pub and he goes, and she goes, "What what what will it be?" And he says, "Oh." Um, a Campari soda. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. you're either going to get beaten up or you're going to get fed to somebody. <laughs> and then he's oh, well, then a, a small Guinness will suffice. <laughs> just yeah. like, oh. What an about face of a drink, though, isn't it? Uh, I'm going yeah. to have a couple of Guinnesses or I think it's time for the Campari now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the fact what? he gets in the car. You know, yeah, 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 they go, yeah, yeah. I don't mind about that. We'll just, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, look, there's the doctor there, doctor, or oh, swinging on his baby shambles. <laughs> like, you, know. you know, it's the yeah, classic he line. Drives, he drives, it's the classic joke in it of sort of, you know, are, are you sure you should be drinking? Are you driving? He's, you know, no, don't worry about it. I haven't got far to walk to the car. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not funny, guys. No, it's, it's not, not big funny. and it's not clever. <laughs> no, no, and and a doctor would never drive from London to Leeds to go to a little village pub either. But we're not worrying about no, that. No, no, we're not no, worrying about no. it. And it's not even Leeds; it's somewhere in Yorkshire. We're not saying yeah. Leeds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't mix them up. Don't mix no. them up. No, no. But no. like, uh, sorry, mate. The other two are then. You got the police inspector and his sergeant. <sighs> McManus in it, the Manus yeah. sergeant. Is, I just yeah. and do you know is the, do you know the moment where he knocks all the tins or the, <laughs> the, the the kidney bowls over? Now that is something that I would do. I guarantee <laughs> that I would knock something up, start playing or fiddling with something. And it's his tie. Have you noticed his yeah. tie? The the yeah. one end is longer than the it's just absolute yeah. genius. Yeah. It's the it's the it's the the little moments that he does, isn't it? It's like when they call the police back to the hospital expressing their concern. Yeah, yeah. And the inspector's dead against him from the office. Now, you know, he's like, no, no, we've had the reports. It's conclusive. This happened. What you were saying, there's no way he's happening. He's clearly mental. There's nothing happened there. And then um, <laughs> the inspector gets up and walks out and he, it, McManus has got to have his 10 pence worth. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's got it, yeah. His, his little bit. And he literally turns towards the door just as he realises that the door has been closed. <laughs> he takes those two steps back, that deep breath. Yes, we'll be on our way now. Now, and, here uh, is another... Know, you know, we're talking about cameos in this. Yes. 
Did you know? Not that obviously when you see all the police in uh, in, the, in the finale in the in the final scene running and they're holding the door. Yeah. Did you know who was one of the extras in that scene? Uh, no, I didn't. No. Nasty Nick Cotton himself was one of the coppers <laughs> from EastEnders. <laughs> he was one of the uh, he was one of the one of the extras in that oh, scene. Right, right. There's um, there's a couple of other cameos in. Well, there's there's an awful lot of cameos. In yeah, this yeah. Um, there's one quite big one. Um, it was actually in it twice. Okay. Mr. Frank Oz. Oh, yes. I've got a note here about Frank Oz. Yeah. 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 Mr. Frank Oz. No, again, Frank Oz appears as as a cameo in yeah, a yeah. lot of Frank um, John Allen's films. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he appears as the American um, delegate, doesn't he, from the concert. Yeah, yeah. But, but he's in it later as well. Yes, he is indeed. And I mean, one of the one of the things I was saying about it is that you know that he does appear in a lot of John Landis films, and he's he, yeah. he, one of the comments that um, Frank Oz, the comment that he made about this is, you know, John always wants me to play a dick in everything <laughs> that I've ever done for him. I've always played an <laughs> asshole. Um, but then it comes to those nightmare sequences. Yes, and, and you know. They are just he, terrifying. I, when I was, I've seen this film either or many times, but when when I rewatched it um, yesterday, and you know, I've, I, I, it doesn't matter how many times I see those those nightmare sequences. Um, it's it's the actual thought process of how they come to how John Landis thought right. What's the worst thing I could ever possibly put on screen to terrify someone? Right, I can have wolf Nazis shooting Uzi <laughs> 9 millimeters in what would be classed as a typical American family home whilst the Muppet show is on in the background. <laughs> and then they proceed to shoot the house to pieces. Yeah. Slit my main hero's throat, who then yeah. wakes up from his nightmare to see his girlfriend, who then says... I have something that'll sort that out. Yeah. Opens the curtains and then get stabbed again. Well, it's like the, by yeah, another Nazi, you know. And it's just like, where's this train of thought coming from? And it's from? the state on his brother and sister. The amount of blood <laughs> yes. that is covered in them. Yeah, and it's up the bloody walls and on the television, and and again, it's the noises then, that they make. And then you've got like, yeah, you know, you got the voice of Frank Oz as Miss Piggy, and then you've yeah. got like Jim Henson, you know, as Kermit. You know, yeah. all laughing and joking in the background, and you know they're screaming and shouting as all of this stuff is going on. You know, however, do you know what the bit that always frightened me as a kid, when I was re- when I was much younger, the bit that always terrified me more than anything else in this film, is obviously not so much the, the frightening amount of David Norton's man ass that is sort of <laughs> that is you know frolicking through the woods. It's the scene where he come, he's he's lying in the bed. I knew I knew exactly what you were going to say. And Jenny Agata comes over and yeah. then he opens his eyes and he's yeah. he's like per- and those teeth. It frightened yeah. the shit out of me. It's um, smell it. I, I was don't... fucking sitting in it. Honestly, it just. <laughs> I always compare that scene to um, whether it was done subconsciously or as a nod, perhaps. I always like that sequence. To um, what's the demon in the Exorcist? The one uh, Mr. Pazuzu. Zaru? 
Pazuzu. Pazuzu. Do you know when you see those brief yeah, shots, yeah, Pazuzu? Yeah. I have always equated those two to being yeah. almost similar. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 the, yeah. You've got the white, the white purple face, and you know the the eyes and the teeth. Yeah. You know, yeah. and they 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 they're both very fleeting images, aren't they? You know? Oh yeah, it's it's just think it's, dunk over. Yeah, and you know they, they're quite searing, isn't it? So they, you know, you, 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 it's like Jesus Christ alive, yeah. like, and then you know it, it's it's phenomenal. But those those nightmares, even even the one when he's like you say he's frolicking naked and he he attacks the bloody deer. Yeah, oh he, yeah, you know? yeah. And I mean, you know, that's quite the the other scene. And and again, I got to be you know to be fair to him, he spends a lot of time starkers in this film. Yeah, especially when in wolf enclosure in a zoo in London as well. But um, they were real wolves. They were real wolves. They and he did it in wolves. one take. Yes, they had, to, they had to sort of they had to appease the wolf though, didn't they? They had to yeah, give it yeah. something to yeah. eat so it wouldn't go for his his meat and two veg. Shall well, we say. And the thing is, even in that scene, that the wolf who goes right up to him was not supposed to go anywhere near him. But obviously. <laughs> You know, there is absolutely no way on earth that you can control a wolf. You can't no. bring in the stunt cuddly wolf. You know, <laughs> no, there is no. no, there is no stunt. Those are real, and it's the speed. To be fair to him, the speed and agility he shows getting out of that enclosure is impressive. Well, whilst concealing his, um, you know, his family jewels as well. <laughs> yeah. as being like, um, and then you get the, the other great line, don't you, with that little boy. <laughs> A naked American stole my balloons. What? I <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tell you, it's 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 just it's just brilliant, man. It's brilliant, brilliant. It is, brilliant. you know. Um, but do we say about the cast and everything? Um, the taxi driver who tells them about the murders. The yeah, end, yeah, know? yeah. Uh, that's um, Alan Ford, who was probably better known to a lot of people as being in um, Bricktop in Snatch, yeah, Snatch yeah. and he's in. He's in Lockstock as well, isn't he? Yes. Uh, you know, renowned British character actor, you know, always portrays the hard man. And of one. course, he's in Cockneys versus Zombies. Well, you only you would, well, you would, <laughs> a, 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 a certain other demographic would know that. Is, is that the one I sent a picture to you? I, that I came across some yeah, zombie yeah, film. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, some, yeah. Oh, no, was it some... Was it Grandzopolis or something like that? And you were like, "Oh my god, I've got to watch that." Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it looked shit, and it probably was. Yeah, shit. it probably is. I mean, uh, yeah, Cockneys vs. Zombies is worth a look, though. It, it is. It, it's entertaining. Not in a month of Sundays. It, anyway, just to see uh, Richard Briers running away from a zombie on a Zimmer frame. <laughs> really? Honestly, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It, honestly, it's got a. It's, the cast is really good. Some of it oh. is proper sort of like mockney gangster rubbish, but there are yeah. moments in it which are like, you know, like I said, Richard Breyer's on his Zimmer frame being chased by zombies and he's like taking one step away and they're still stumbling at. It's absolutely brilliant. It, <laughs> it's brilliant. It's well worth it. There is, there is another cameo. Um, it's, it, it is a proper blink and you miss a moment. Um, you know, the, 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 um, Final rampage in Piccadilly Circus. Yes, where you know it it, it descends into complete and utter chaos. And again, um, not the time is sort of nullified or, or or dulled the sequence. That sequence is absolutely. Oh my god! Yeah, and I mean it, it is know, brutal. 
done. It is. It shows a genuine accident after accident. Oh yeah, and that. I mean again, and you know, back and whatnot. Yeah, you. I mean, if you think about the car chasing, like Blues Brothers and all that type of thing, this yeah. the moment where the guy goes out of the top of the double yeah. decker bus, the noise yeah. he makes when he hits the floor. Well. This is this is where this is where it's coming to. The driver of the of the double decker bus. Do you know who that was? No, come on, tell me who it is. Vic Armstrong. Vic Arm, right. What? Renowned stunt actor, coordinator. Yes, yes. In Indiana Jones' yes. double. Yes, that's Vic, right. Vic Vic Armstrong is the double decker bus driver. I mean, you know, and like this, the bit with the car. Crushes the guy against yep. the other one. Yeah, uh, and the and, body being run over. And, oh, oh, it is. And just, again, it goes back to the sound. Yeah, yeah. You know, it goes, it's it's just it's complete pandemonium. It's just chaos wherever you look. It's chaos. You know, you've you've got <laughs> you've got the police inspector's head having just been that is off, that then... is just an an amazing amazing <laughs> moment <laughs> and. Do you know the, the the first guy to get knocked through a shop window as well? Do you know who that is? No, who's that? Come on, tell me who that is. That is that is John Landis himself taking one for the team. I knew that. I bloody knew that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's himself putting him front and centre, getting you know knocked through, and he takes a woman out with him at the same time as well. Yeah, he get he gets it and takes out a woman straight through the window as well. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's just complete chaos. But the thing is, it's. You know, it's 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 horrible, and it's showing you, you know, how things and you know escalate and how yeah, it, yeah. One, one thing impacts on another, on another, on another. Well, it, it, it's you know, it, it's total knock. It's total, like you said, it is. You know, it's the chaos theory, and the butterfly flaps yeah. its wings, and you get a tornado. But here we got, you know, a werewolf in a porno theater results in. You know, it's yeah. Uh, I mean, absolutely. The other thing that we have to mention. Um, is the use of music in this film? The um, the the yes, the every single song contained in the word moon. Moon, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. And now use the other bit as well. Cat Steve, they approached Cat Stevens to use one of his songs in it. Yeah, and he refused because he believes in werewolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He genuinely, he genuinely turned them down because he believes in werewolves. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cat Stevens turned them down. To, yeah, yeah, because he believes in werewolves. He turned them down. Um, that, <laughs> that, 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 that is that thoroughly confuses me. That yeah, that, yeah, is, yeah. He totally turned them. He said, "No, you can't use it." I, you know, I, I, I believe that lycanthropes are real. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. As, but, Look, if some if somebody like Rick Wakeman had said that, then I'd, I'd kind of get it. <laughs> but Cat Stevens, yeah, Cat Stevens turned him down. I can't remember the name of the song that he wanted to use, but um, he, yeah, they said no because he believes in werewolves. Wow, that's bizarre. And funny, funny, I mentioned Rick Wakeman. Yeah, do you know um, David's go through the TV channels and yes. there's an expose coming yeah. news. Yeah, and that that is Rick Wakeman's ex-wife. In real life, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, that, that's right. I mean, I'm, and the other I'm person, going... of course, is responsible for, in terms of the music for this is Elmer Bernstein. Yes, and yes. the orchestral music in this, particularly the bits where he's running through the woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the rhythm of it. 
the rhythm of that you know is absolutely you know unreal yeah. because I mean I mean Elmer Bernstein is you know he is legendary and we've talked before about some of the stuff that he's done but you know <coughs> For me, though, the combination of using like every Moon song you can possibly imagine, and then I think that's more. That was more John Landis with his tongue firmly placed in his cheek. Oh yeah, there, you know? yeah, and you like know, just the the end of this film where okay, <clears throat> anyway, spoiler. Excuse me for a second. I've been teaching all day, so my voice is on his ass. Hang on. Right, the the uh, David is shot. You and then you get Jenny Agatha, you know, clearly very distressed, and then he goes, a ba 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 da 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 you know, but that's that, that's what I mean. Isn't it? It's those little interjections, those little sort of, you know, yes, we're making this, this, but but hang on, we've got this as well. You yeah, know? And, yeah, um, yeah. It just works, man. It just works now, brilliantly well. John Landis wrote this film whilst he was working as an assistant on Kelly's Heroes in 1970. Yes, and um, he, he, I, th- I think they were it Yugoslavia. Something they were. They, he was in Yugoslavia, yeah. and that's where he came up with the. But he couldn't get anybody to get to make it. Nobody was no. interested in making it. And no. can you, you know, and the, the mind boggles, didn't it? You know, the, can you imagine how gutted people were when they, you know, they realised what it had become? Well, John Landis, um, his film company was actually called Lycan Thram. Yeah, um, yeah. Productions, wasn't it? Yeah. And I, I got to be honest, I did have a. I had a great. <laughs> <laughs> See, See, what was that? Never, never work with family. children and werewolves. <laughs> yeah, and your family. Um, yeah, he called his production. I did have a. Uh, we'll have to sort that. You'll have to sort that in the edit. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, don't worry. Um, but I did have a little tinge of nostalgia when I saw the Embassy Studios sign come up as well. Yeah, on, yeah. Uh, on screen, and I was like, oh. Remember Embassy Studios? They yeah. used to make some shit, that shit, but they made yeah. some really good films no, as well. Speaking of shit, in this film, the weather is horrific. <laughs> it's, it, it, you know, it's... But Look. John Landis purposefully shot in February and in March. There's to yeah. give it that sort of, that grey... Um, well... Well, for the for those not familiar with where we are located in the world, we are yeah. located in Wales. Which, <laughs> if you go, you know, outside of Europe, you have to tell people certain things about Wales, so they make yeah. in order to make those yeah, connections. Of course, you know, of course. Invariably, the first thing you say is Tom Jones, which is just <laughs> the way it is. Unfortunately, um, you have to tell them then Sir Anthony Hopkins. Then you have to tell them. You know, there's pecking orders of sorts, isn't it? Well, there's the sliding um, scale, isn't it, from your sort of your Anthony Hopkins to your Michael Sheens to your Stanley Bakers to your your Richard Burtons, isn't it? Well, I wouldn't say a slide. I think that that's not a bad lineup, actually. Is it, to be <laughs> um, but you know, yes, we are this little part of the, of Britain, you know, that has uh, ridiculous levels of creative output and 
at this moment in time, you know, this is January, at least we forget. Um, <laughs> we are con- we currently going through American werewolf weather. Should we say. Yeah. And it is it's yeah. great, it is abysmal, and it is depressive, and it is overpowering. But yes, we know exactly what that weather is like yeah. right now. And it's the right, fact that right. they talk about one day they had snow, sleet, and rain, and then sunshine all in one day. <laughs> Four seasons in one day, yeah. yeah. Uh, they only had to make a film in that. I've had to teach PE in this. <laughs> yeah. Sir, yeah. sir, Jones is frozen. Chuck him in goals, boys. Chuck him in goals. <laughs> sir, I can't feel my face. Stop crying. Get on with it. Halcyon <laughs> uh, days, mate. Halcyon oh, days. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we 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 pretty much know what that is like because we tend we yeah. live in it like you know so so those, those two, to our friends in um, you know in the Philippines and in um, yeah. you know <laughs> in um, in Texas you know hi yeah but um, yeah you know it's it's very wet and windy at the moment here in uh, in Wales yeah so uh, yeah <laughs> well what, what my favourite line about the weather in Wales is from a comedian called Rod Gilbert who said I'm familiar with Rod. Yes. I've, I've been to see Rod. My sister has met Rod. Yes, what he says about uh, he he wasn't te- he thought he, he wasn't he, I think it was after the age of ten he realised he could take his cagoule off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good word, cagoule. Cagoule. To everybody else, it's a packamac, isn't pack-a-mac, it? Packamac, yes, but it's a cagoule. Yeah. Get your cagoule on. Yeah, it's I like mean, it's like body warmers, isn't it? I know I call them body warmers to the yeah. rest of the world now. It's gilet. No, 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 no. It's a body warmer. What's it's always been a body. It's 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 never it's not it's not gilet. It's a what? body warmer. Do you know the other thing I heard the other day for a jacket? A jerkin. A fucking what? A jerkin. You put it. You pull it on over your head. It's a jerkin. No, that's that's a hoodie. <laughs> jerkin. Jerkin. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking millennial assholes. Now the this this film is you know it is it is the pantheon, isn't it, of of great horror films? And I think in some ways this stands up there with all the big hitters. I think this you know it stands up there with The Exorcist. It stands up there with the pol- with Poltergeist. It stands up with Texas Chainsaw. You know, it is one of those films that when anybody compiles the top, you know, ten. It is always lurking there or thereabouts. Definitely. Um, inevitably, it'll automatically lumped into the universal horrors. Yeah. It's, it was a universal release, at least we forget. Right? Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people go, you know, they go back to uh, Frankenstein and, you know, the mummy and things like that, the Dracula films, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, horror, horror, like most genres go through its fits and starts and it's it's um it's it's stages doesn't it you know oh yeah, yeah. horrors horrors in an extremely healthy state at this moment in time doesn't necessarily mean that the films are any good but no no it's there's an audience out there for it um you know there have been some truly brilliant horror films made you know over the last say 20 20 30 years you are totally, totally right in what you're saying about American Werewolf in London. It deserves to be up there with the very best horror films. Um, the fact that it's it's as much much a comedy film as it is a horror film, 
Um, it does not diminish its return in any way. It simply is a fantastic story. Not not an original story far fucking from it. Oh no, it's, no, you know, no, no. It's 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 a brilliantly, brilliantly told story in a fantastic way. And hands hats off to John Landis. You know, is this is this is this his best film? Ooh, do you know what? When you is look it? at it, when you look at his films, because he, you know, when he did the, when he made this film, he just, you know, he'd made Animal House, he'd made the yeah. Blues Brothers, and then this was out. And he did, no, he did Kentucky Fried Movie as well, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, and he, and I mean, but I mean, Animal House and this really, and uh, uh, some Blues Brothers sort of gave him the clout to get this, get yeah, this made. I I I regard Animal House as I've seen Animal House. I forget them many times as one of the the funniest films ever made. It gen it is yeah. genuinely up there with you know um, this is Spinal Tap. And oh yeah, yeah, a, and a, the Airplane, and of which there is an actual poster in the two, in the subway. For yes, the yes, I noticed in, that. In I paused it on yeah. the yeah. I noticed that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, um, and also with you know. Some like it hot, you know those classics. You know, Animal House is genuinely up there with it, and Blues Brothers is, is hugely entertaining. Oh so God, I yeah. I, I think. Don't get me wrong. Blues Brothers is is an extremely funny film. It is. It's over the top. It's ridiculous. You know, and I've I got no issue with that. Only my only issue I've ever had with Blues Brothers, I found it a little bit too long. Yeah. Could have. Yeah. It could have been condensed down, you know, a little bit. <laughs> But then, if you've got the people involved, like Aretha Franklin and Ray Charles, and, yeah. you know, massive stars, you want them. You want to give them their lot, you know. Oh, completely. Time, you know. So yeah, I get that. Do but you know what my favorite America, scene in the Blues Brothers is? Is it Carrie Fisher shooting an AK forty-seven? Uh, no, no. Um, <laughs> it's uh, that is a good moment, but it's no. They they arrive at the bloke, uh, the, and he's he's now a maitre d' in a really posh restaurant. He's the guitarist, yeah. and they oh, sat yes, there. Yeah. And he and uh, John Belushi turns around uh, to uh, to the people behind the uh, sort of sat there. They're a really sort of middle class family. And he turns around. And he goes, "How much for your women? <laughs> How much? I take them all. How much?" <laughs> He's ramming food in his butt. And they threaten to go there for breakfast, lunch, and dinner until he agrees. <laughs> it's just it's just absolute madness. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, and that's the thing, isn't it? It's chaos on the screen, isn't it? You know, and that's what this um, is, isn't it? It's all you know. This film is organized chaos. The, the, yes. the, the moments in this film where it's at its yeah. best are yeah. organized chaos. I, I, I think, especially I'm, it being so fresh in memory, when you actually think about the construction of each scene, and yeah, like it's, again, the, I was written on the page to actually shot, you know. It's absolutely remarkable. It genuinely, genuinely, genuinely is. And, and here's the other bit. It's pre-CGI. Well, this is what this is something I was going to mention. I've never seen the sequel that came out to this. Even you just saying that now just tells me how bad it is. I, I never, ever entertained even the thought of a sequel ever being made to it because it never needed to be... But no, that was no. the absolute beginning of mass marketing CGI effects. Oh, yeah, and it was dire. Yeah, and look, I know CGI has come on 400 times 
the quality that it was at that time. Yeah. You know, I mean, you look at even as like your basic blockbuster that has a creature or something in it. They, they do look fairly realistic. Yeah. Do you think, yeah. Yeah. That is that is pixels on a screen. Yeah. But you know, we we've said this repeatedly about tact. You know, tact tactility. You know, and being able to touch scenes. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. what's on the screen? It does add to it, and it really, really does. But you know. I, as I said earlier, that the, the transformation sequence just alone solidifies classic status. Yeah, in this film and hands I down. Think people as well underestimate the pace of this film. There is no hanging about. No, and it's ninety-seven minutes long. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's not you know, wham bam. You know, oh, we're going to add this, we're going to add that, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. No, no, no. There's a story to be told. There's um, we're gonna jump time because, uh, as they say, he's been unconscious in hospital for three weeks. So yeah. you know there is yeah. there isn't a, a set time structure, you know. But you know it, it is what it is. Um, and going back to my original question, is it John Lannis's best film? I think you could probably have to say I, it is. I think it? it is. Yeah, I think it is, and I think it is probably his most complete film. Um. Yeah. Um, I, 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 Animal House is, is oh yeah, is, look, you know, is is phenomenal. But the thing is, Animal House is a farce. Whereas this is, I know this is a horror film, which in, and it in turns is farce. You know, Animal House is just separate entirely, isn't it? But whereas yeah. this is you lean mean horror film ultimately. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. So, so, is there anything that we you know? That you want to, you know, mention before we row, before we we segue into our roundup for this bad boy. Um, I don't know. I, I I think we, I pretty much exhausted everything that we could talk about. Um, you know, as we've said, the cast, everything is tremendous. Um, hands down, the best transformation sequence you'll ever see in in any horror film. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I I completely agree with you on that. Completely. Now, here's the bit. Where do you come in to score this one? I I gave the thing a ten. Yeah. The thing is a totally different entity towards uh, compared to this, isn't it? Oh yeah, really yeah, is. yeah. Um, I well, I think the thing is perfect. Um. Everything works with. I'm, the, I'm, I'm of the same opinion with this, but I don't know why. I can't see ten out of ten, and I don't know why. I really, really don't. It, 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 it yeah, is yeah. No, I can see where you're going with this. Do you know what I mean? If, yeah. I, if, if I don't make sense, then I apologise. But whereas the, the, the thing is, hands down, Stone Cold ten out of ten. American Werewolf. If we were to give it like. Stars out of five, I'd yeah. give it five stars, right? Yeah, and I would. I'm not saying otherwise. If you're asking me to give it a score out of ten, I don't know if I can give it a ten. I really don't know why. Do you know where I come in? I come in as a nine point five. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I probably would. I, I come in as a nine point five, but I yeah, no, I know exactly. What, for me, there it's, are it, the, the, the film's classic. There's there's nothing wrong with this film at all in no. any way, shape, or form. No. It's you know, 
It's got everything you want. Really, yeah. Oh yeah, but... yeah, it has. But there Why are... can't I say ten out of ten? Is it? A 10 I don't know because there film? are moments in this I think that just kind of, like for example, for me, The Exorcist is a ten. The Thing is a ten. But equally, yeah. um, there are certain films outside of the horror genre I'd give a ten to as well, but yeah. for completely different reasons. And yeah, you know, well, like they say, for example, then, what would you give the Star Wars a new hope? Oh, it's a 10. Right. It's a 10. What would you give Return of the Jedi? It, I, uh, can't compute. Ah, <laughs> ah, no, I'd probably, now, I'd give it like a, maybe like an eight. No, see, I'd say seven. Off the bat, I'd say seven. It's, yeah, but I, I've got a lot of nostalgia for Return of the Jedi. I have. But then I, I think yeah. The Force Awakens is better. And I, I don't think oh, oh, you may have just started some shit near now. No, man. I, I, I'll back it up every day of the week. You bring it. Yeah. But I'm just telling you, I personally think I prefer Force Awakens to Return of the Jedi. Yeah, no, and, and, and I could actually see that because I think in terms of, you know... There are, you know, the, people get hung up on the Ewoks, um, but there are moments in Return of the Jedi that are brilliant, brilliant, brilliant Star Wars moments. Yeah, and I agree with you. But then but, I think for the Force, I think the Force Awakens have got better ones. Yes, yes, do. no, I do. I think what saves um, Return of the Jedi is for me, it is that duel between Darth. And Luke, and the yeah. and it, it for that it is combining, um, and obviously we 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 could probably talk segue into it like a Star Wars episode quite easily again, but again, again. <laughs> and at some point we will cover them, um, but it's that sort of, it is that combining of that perfect imagery with music with intensity and it's just yeah. it just builds and builds yeah. and builds and, and it's just wonderful and for me and it's sort of it's probably a little bit of nostalgia as well but no I think you know but for this for, for American Werewolf in London it is a 9.5 I was I'm going to have to completely and utterly agree with you I, I don't know why that's two in a row now we've agreed on that's two in I, a row yeah but I don't I, why can't I say it's a 10 of the 10 film do you know what I don't know what it is I it don't is a know 10 what out of 10 it... film. It is. It is. But why am I thinking? Well, no, if I was to hand on heart say what I think it is, it's nine and a half out of 10. Yeah. And I don't know why. Yeah. To be continued. Yes. <laughs> for, a, for a full stop with that one. For, a, for, yes, for the minute. Definitely. No. For the moment. As always, I want to say thank you for being on, man. It's always a pleasure. No worries, Matt. No worries, no worries at all. Right. And. Uh, we will catch you very, very soon. Thank you for being on. <laughs> Take care. Take care, my friend. Ta-ra, buddy. Ta-ra. Ta-ra, man. Ta-ra. And, as always, I want to say a big thank you to my wonderful co-host, Mr. Leighton Winston. Now, for a slight change here, we are going to be catching up with my interview with filmmaker, director, cinematographer, Mr. Colin Bresler. And talking about his movie, Bloody Drama. So uh, here's uh, our chat. Hope you enjoy. So 
I am joined by a very, very special guest, and I'm uh, very excited to sort of uh, reach out across the Twitterverse and make contact with this gentleman. I think it was uh, actually, I think it was New Year's Eve where we uh, first sort of uh, started communicating. Uh, and despite a few minor setbacks, we've finally been able to get together and have a conversation. I am talking to the one, the only, uh, quite possibly one of my favourite new filmmakers that I've just discovered is a gentleman by the name of Colin Bressler. And he is the director of the 2017 movie, bloody drama. Colin, welcome to the Undead Wookiee. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. I'm so excited to share our love of horror films together. This is awesome. Yeah, no, no, I'm, you know, thank you for taking the time out in your busy day. Um, so let's jump in here and sort of uh, let's get the thing started. So I usually ask most of my guests, whether they're co-hosting or anything else, about sort of what are their earliest memories of horror, and what was it that you know that that sort of inspired them to get to dive into the horror genre? Well, um, it's funny. Um, I am a chicken shit. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse. <laughs> oh but, yeah, um, no, please let rip. But, it's not a problem. Okay. Well, well, I'm a chicken shit, so to speak. <laughs> and my, like I said, uh, off off podcast, I said to you. Uh, basically, I was telling the story of early on in my life. Um, I'm not, I should know this, but I don't know exactly when American Werewolf in London came out, but um, I was a little kid and probably 10-ish. And um, my parents, my mom is an, uh, an avid, avid lover of horror films. Nice. And so she would watch, I remember she watched films like um, 10,000 Maniacs <laughs> to, uh, to Reanimator. To Reanimator, I, I remember. So anyway, long story short, I guess is we would go to the video store every Friday night as a family, and we'd rent a movie. And I remember sitting there so scared because they would always rent a horror movie, and I'd go, <laughs> "Oh my god!" I, I, so I would actually watch these movies outside of the room with like peeking into the room, so scared, <laughs> but I really wanted to see them. Yeah, and and so. Stretching that out, I went to film school. Um, I, I love cinema. My parents love cinema, and I think that their love of cinema, they don't make movies. They're not involved in the business, but yeah. I think it just, you know, I just it just made me love cinema. And so stretching that out, I, I, I became a cinematographer. I shot a bunch of movies, and I always wanted to direct. Mm -hmm. And I just, honestly, I think that horror film, the horror genre is the best genre for director to really spread their wings in because it actually, uh, you have to elicit certain things that are difficult to elicit in an audience more so than a drama or even a comedy yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. And so it's so challenging and, and honestly it's fun. Like it's so fun trying to devise scenes. So I probably don't know if I answered the question well, but, but yeah, earliest thing, night, um, uh, not nightmare and all she, um, uh, uh, American American Werewolf in London was yeah. was a movie that I remember being so awed by, but also so friggin' freaked out by. <laughs> so like I yeah, I was scarred I was scarred by it, but I was also blown away at the effects and the style and yeah. and yeah. just how scary, but also charming and funny it was. And and so anyway, so I, I would say yeah, I'd say that's probably one of the first sort of things that made me go, okay, this cinema thing's pretty cool. Yeah. So, and you know, and in terms of sort of movies that scarred you, um, and I bring this up at every opportunity because uh, my 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 brother is um, is Wales' strongest man. Um, he's a big powerlifting. He looks oh. like he looks like a Viking. He's massive, right? However, the movie that absolutely terrified. <laughs> 
the film that absolutely freaked him out was Creature from the Black Lagoon, the original. The black and white's absolutely terrified. He lasted ten minutes before really? I had to, yeah before I had to take him out of the cinema because uh, we there was a we had a three D show in in one of our local cinemas and it freaked him out so bad he couldn't come back oh, in. Wow! So I bring that up at every opportunity. So you know, is he old? Oh no, he's much younger than is, me. Is he older or young? Oh, he's younger, but he just was. <clears throat> he's massive. It you know he's huge, <laughs> but I, you know I do like to remind him that uh, you know he totally shit out of watching uh, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> now, obviously, and my brother and my brother, trust me, my brother the same. Just yeah. so you know, <laughs> well, he's, he's also a remote. filmmaker, by the way. My, oh wow, my brother also. That's really that's you know. Yeah. It, uh, have you guys ever thought about collaborating, or do you both work in different genres? We we we. Uh, we we did we did because like I said I, I I started as a cinematographer that's where I went to film school in New York City for and and um, that's where my career started for I mean I, like I said I'm 42 years old I left film school at 21 um, so for the first like 19 <laughs> I you know 18 years of my career I did a few short films I directed a few yeah. short films over that time sort of I was testing the waters but. Honestly, I was making a living as a cinematographer, doing movies yeah. and documentary, whatever. And so I was always a little, and I was always a little, to be quite frank with you, I was always a little intimidated by the directing yeah. thing yeah. because I saw how rigorous and how many things you had to sort of know and also be alert, alert to. Mm. And and so and so yeah, so and so my brother came to it as a musician. He was a musician, and he felt he wanted to be a director, like straight out. So. We would, we, I always loved writing. So like I would write yeah. the scripts and then my brother would direct and I would shoot. So we probably did about super low, I mean, no budget, no budget movies back yeah. in Brooklyn. We lived in Brooklyn together. Probably did like three or four, did a couple features, never went anywhere. Yeah. Um, died on the vines, so to speak, a couple shorts. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but like I said, you, you know, when you grow up with parents that are, you know, literally quoting movies at dinner, um, <laughs> both sons became, you know, we grew up and we're like, I mean, we still to this day, we'll, we'll, we'll just in conversation do quote a movie as a part of the conversation. And it's just how we were raised. It's just, it's weird. Cause like I said, my parents, my mom's an artist and she's super talented, but she's not, a, she's not into, she's not a cinema person. It's, yeah. She's more of a um, painter or illustrator type, Yeah. but it's just, yeah. you know, it's funny to my parents. Like they probably talk about it alone sometimes and laugh that. We both ended up liking cinema so much that we wanted to make it our lives. Yeah, and it's you know, you know, it's impressive that your mom is a hard, you know, hardcore horror, you know, horror, you know, Thousand Maniacs, you know, Reanimated. You know, they don't, you know, those movies don't pull any punches, and that's you know, that that's that is impressive. That is impressive. Now, oh, she's funny. She's funny now. Real. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go play. No, please carry on. Carry on. This is you know. I'm here just to listen. Oh, I was just gonna. My last anecdote to that is, my last anecdote to that is, my mom is also an incredibly tough person, and she's a hard critic. And my mom is. She's gotten to the point where she poo-poo's every horror movie made from like nineteen, uh, two thousand and five on. You know, so I always tell her, I'll be like, "Oh, did you see Insidious? Or did you see, you know, stuff that I like? You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see Paranormal, Paranormal Activity?" And she's always like, "She's like, whatever, it's crap." You know, like it, so it's just funny to me because like nothing can satisfy her anymore. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I suppose it's it's always handy having somebody in the family who is, you know, who quite happily cast a sort of that critical eye over things as well. So, you know, it, it's always, that's always good. Absolutely. That's always good. So 
coming over to bloody drama because that's why we you know you know this is one of the things that, that sort of uh, brought us together is where did you come up with the idea for it okay so um I did a movie called Sleepover, which also is available on Amazon Prime. <laughs> it's called Sleepover, not, not Sleepovers. Yeah, I had, to try, I had to get that in there. <laughs> um, and so that film was shot for no budget. It was sort of, uh, uh, I called it POV cinema. Yeah. Basically, a girl had to wear a camera on her head for about 80% of the movie. <laughs> so anyway, so the reason, I, the reason I'm plugging and bringing that up is um, it, it's the only way to answer this question, which is, uh, a, a, a Texas, I, I live in Texas, yeah. um, full disclosure and <laughs> a Texas based independent company called screen time films, who is also a producer on bloody drama. Right. They, they, I, I sent out, I sent out sleepover my first movie out to, you know, 20, I didn't do any festival run. I sent it out to about 20 distributors and production companies, whatever. Yeah. And Scream Time really liked it. They put it on their on their um, their volumes or whatever. They put it out there. They made DVDs. They they distributed just like this film. Yeah. Anyway, so after they had after they had taken on Sleepover, the 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 guy who runs it, which is you know Jason Todd Falcon is his name, mm. uh, Scream Time Films. He he contacted me and said, "Hey, would you want to make another with us?" And I was like. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I, it's not like uh, Warner, you know, Warner Brothers isn't knocking down my door, so of course. So I, I, um, I, I said, yeah. So how he works is it's it's a, it's an interesting way, and I really liked it. Is he gives you a synopsis or a short, uber short synopsis, and yeah. says, take it and run with it. He he gave me to, full 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 on creative freedom. The only non freedom you have is the name, bloody drama. Yeah. And that brief synopsis, which which literally went as follows, it was something to the effect of, and I paraphrase, um, girls. Um, it's a, a movie about mean girls that are using social media or cell phones yeah. to bully another girl. In the end, they get massacred. And so <laughs> I took that and I was like, I was like, okay, okay, let me think about this. Like, how can I how can I kind of find the meat of this and run with it the way I feel kind of fit too. So it kind of, you know, as time went on, it sussed itself out. And yeah. I, I really like, I really wanted to have a little of a mystery twist in there and kind of yeah. playing around yeah, with, yeah, yeah. with that. I love cross cutting and I love, I love the tension of cross cutting. So I built up the whole Darren. And like I said, I mean, I just, you know, you just heard the the basic premise he laid out. Yeah. So obviously there was no Nelly in there and all those stories and yeah. Darren. And so, so I just, I, I knew it had to get a little bit meatier in terms of, something more for the audience to sink their teeth into and mm. to mm. see. So I, I really wanted to develop cross cutting and, and, and stories that are all sort of happening simultaneously. And I wanted the sort of crescendo effect towards yeah. the end, you know? No, that's great. And I mean, sort of, you know, and when you're in your creative process, then do you sort of draw inspiration from current events or is it just something that you like to just sort of, you know, you get, like you said, you get your synopsis and you just grow it organically or, do you take your inspiration from things around you or music or, you know, those type of things? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm a huge fan of Radiohead. Yeah. Um, I find that, um, I mean, an obsessive fan, but, but, but not just do I love their music for some reason it takes me, I, I, I don't have to say for some reason, obviously, if you're a fan, you know what I mean, but, but like the, you know, uh, Tom York's creations and the whole band, but I just, I, I literally could put them on and not have an idea in my head about a film or anything. Yeah. And I'll go off, um, and and something will come out of it. And so I, I say I've written about four screenplays just based on 
probably okay computer alone. But anyway, um, I, so yeah, so I, you know, definitely music, honestly, this, this point in my life, I'm a father, I have a five-year-old son. I travel throughout Texas a lot for work. So yeah. I find that the car has become my shower, so to speak, you know, like the yeah. whole like shower yeah. people talk about great, uh, you know, sit in a shower and I thought of Google or something, you know, <laughs> uh, for me, it's like driving. I just put on Radiohead or, you know, it doesn't always Radiohead, but I love jazz too, but mm. you know, put on Radiohead, some John Coltrane or something and I'm driving and it's just like, so honestly, I would say 60% of the story or the character sort of came out of these drives on the flat plains of Texas. Uh, going from Houston to San Antonio, you know, because it's, it's just this real flat land, and yeah. um, you know, I'm not that familiar. I'm not that familiar with Scotland or anything, but in Texas, it's, it's very hilly where I live. But then it becomes incredibly flat, and you yeah. just get these farms and cattle, and, and so you're driving. And I just thought a lot about, um, you know, the characters and and how sort of I wanted to blend them. And I, I just I, I really wanted to make something that that you know had a lot of weight to it in terms of I wanted I wanted the characters to feel a little bit more uh rounded yeah uh, per yeah, se yeah, yeah. so it was you know it was a lot of soul searching about particularly Renee who I who I kind of is arguably the, the lead role mm. in the film and um she was actually full disclosure she was patterned after my wife in right. a lot <laughs> the film is dedicated to her um, and so my, my wife's name is Brenda Linda, which is a combination of Renee and Linda. Right. And so, um, you know, she, she inspired a lot of, she's in, she's a, a P, you know, she has a PhD in sociology. She's a professor. Yeah. So like she inspired a lot of that in, in that character. So a lot of that came out of that, but I also wanted to delve into sexuality and the pressures of sexuality and, and all these kind of things and, and then relationships and love and hate and how, that line is very fine, obviously, with Kem and Renee and yeah. those kind of things. So, yeah, it was music and, and scenery play a huge role in, in, in how I, even with my new film, you know, same thing. A lot of my, my co-writer, she, she, she says to me all the time, she tells her husband, she's like, Colin has a new idea every, like, a half hour he texts or emails me, you know. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, one of the, you know, it's sort of, it's, it is sort of refreshing to see that, you know, because, you know, lots of sort of, um, you know, it, it, I think it's very easy for sort of, particularly sort of uh, lower budget filmmakers to dive straight into the gore end of things. I think you know, and it, it is refreshing to see that you know there is story and there is character and there is you know there is thought process given to, given to the story, not sort of a group of girls show up, take their clothes off, and somebody shows up and hacks them to bits. <laughs> you know that. You know, don't get me wrong, it's got its place, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Absolutely, <laughs> but, but I think as you know, I do think sometimes I think audiences do want a little bit more, um, and I think you know the, the yes, there is the eighties resurgent at the moment, but I don't think you could go away and um, you couldn't make the mutilator today, or you couldn't make the burning today as they were, um, and I think they're very much all their time, and I think audiences are looking for something a little bit more. I agree, hundred percent. So, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, I would say that. Um, oh, no, go, go on, play. please carry on. Please carry on. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I it's I mean, I don't I don't pretend to have all the answers about what, what works in horror and in, in, in all that stuff. I just for me, it was it was just so important to me that I just felt like I was like the audience has to at least cling on to one of the girls, if not all of them or. Yeah. 
or yeah. whatever. Like, you know, I, I just felt like, and I was like, well, I, I needed to, to build out. Obviously I knew where the story was going to go and mm. sort of the ending. I absolutely knew right away, but, but it's like, I was like, as it kind of went, it sort of built out and I was like, I want to create at least skin in the game for yeah. the characters in terms of where their lives are going. So the audience understood that like what's being lost by every, you know, everything that happens in yeah. the film. Yeah. And so, um, you know, they, they just, that was just greatly important to me. And like I said, I don't, I definitely don't begrudge people who go, I'm not interested in that. What I'm interested in is, is absolute horror, absolute gore. And, you know, I totally respect that too. I just, for me, it's like, I, I was just like, I was like, man, I just, I, I know that myself when I'm sitting there on my couch and I'm watching these, these, these great horror films, I'm always like, I really, if I'm invested in the character, it's even more traumatic, you know, yeah. Oh, the, yeah, the great example is Jamie Lee Curtis's character in Halloween, you know, yeah. like I, I, you know, you, you're right out the gate, you, you feel for her, you understand there's some trauma in her life and her family and all that. So you're just like, as the stories take going on, you're rooting for her and caring about her more and more. And so the crap that happens in her, in her, in her life <laughs> that night, you know, you're just like, Oh my God. You know, whereas if you had just kind of made her more two dimensional and she's just a prop sort of idea in it and maybe yeah. she fights back or whatever, I just think you're just, you're going to name her and oh, she does that great too. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's oh, just, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just think it's, it's so important to be like, try to get audiences invested in the, in the, the characters, particularly the ones that I cared about, which, I, I'm not going to, I told the actors, I was like, I, I, I'm not going to lie. There's a couple of these characters are my favorite. So I'm definitely going <laughs> to play favorites here. And they just thought it was, you know, they thought it was funny and they didn't care. You know, they were like, they were kind of fully invested. So, so I mean, you know, talking about your cast, sort of, um, what was your casting process like on this? So, um, I live in San Antonio, Texas. I'm going to keep expanding that to my, ad- yeah. I'll get to my address later in this. Um, <laughs> so, um, in, in, in San Antonio, it's, it's an emerging independent film market. Um, but it's the, the word emerging is the key word there. Yeah. It's still, yeah. we, we lack infrastructure here. Um, most talent kind of drifts up to Austin, Texas, which I don't know if you heard of, you know, yeah, Robert yeah, Rodriguez yeah. and Wes Anderson and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's like, uh, you know, in terms of finding cast and stuff, there's some great resources, websites, but I, I would be remiss not to mention um, Mike Itine. I don't know if I'm pronouncing. I'm, I'm doing your thing. Uh, <laughs> his, he, he was the actor that played the, plays the detective in the film. Yeah. yeah. Um, and David Carbajal plays Darren. Yeah. Um, were incredible in, in helping me resource find actors because I did a lot of casting, but I wasn't you know online casting. I yeah. wasn't super. Yeah. You know, I found a couple people here and there. But honestly, I would say both of them. Uh, Skyhawks also who plays Nelly was instrumental in helping me find a few, few characters, few actors. Um, yeah. Chris, Christina Cruz, Christina Cruz Rodriguez, who plays Renee yeah. actually, um, I should know this and I don't, I don't know how I became friends with her on Facebook. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure it was just through a friend, but I saw her pictures and I thought I was like, Oh my gosh, she looks like Renee. So I just yeah. messaged her on Facebook. I saw she was an actor and I, 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 I was kind of like, I was like, look, you probably have no interest in this because she has some chops as an actor. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to get her, but whatever, I'll ask her. And she was like, game right out the gate. And so it's just that it was kind of a weird process. It was all over the map because um, in the past, when I, I lived in New York for 18 years, when I lived in New York, you know, I would go through an agency and yeah. they would send yeah. me 60 headshots and all this kind of thing. That doesn't work as much down here. So it's much more like you have to really like, word of mouth and reach out to actors and 
So it was kind of, it was a, it was a, like, you know, Mike, the detective in the film, he yeah. got me Scotty Walker, who was the father who in the, in the beginning of the movie, you know? So yeah. it's like, yeah. Yeah. that was the sort of connection to it. And actually Mike um, helped produce and also was AD on some days, yeah. helped yeah. PA on all, you know, like, you know, Mike, Mike um, ended up being incredibly valuable resource on, on almost every level. Um, said David too. I mean, all of them actually, but, but, you know, particularly Mike comes to mind just because he, like I said, he, there were day, there was a day he was, he was holding the boom, you know, yeah, boom yeah, pole yeah. to record audio. Yeah. I mean, now, and I know, you know, it, it was that kind of production, you know, I know you're, 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 you know, you're, you know, this stuff. So it's like, you know, it was that kind of product. It was that kind of production where it's like, you know, Hey, you're done your scene, grab a mic, record some audio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but then I think those type of things and sort of um, having some experience as a former actor of sort of working on sort of smaller things and um, it does sort of, um, it does, those type of experiences as a, as a crew and, a, and as a cast do bring you together. Um, and I think, you know, the, oh, yeah. they can be absolutely, and you, know, you, you can at times get some of the, you know, you can, Get, if you're sort of on a set and you get to see everything that's going on, you can kind of piece where you are within where the overall the overall finished product uh, picture. And I think that 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 that's something that sort of that that is the heart and soul of indie, in independent filmmaking. Um, now, obviously, sort of you know you're not working with millions and millions of dollars here. Um, so in total, so how many no. cast, so how <laughs> many crew so how many crew did you actually have? Well, okay, so um, unfortunately. I have to answer this is sort of a long-winded answer. Um, yeah. It, so I, like I said, I have a full, full-time job. I shoot reality television as a cameraman. Yeah. And, and I have a five-year-old son. Um, anyone out there listening who has children knows what that means. <laughs> and so um, we, what, what, what I, how I figured it out was I finished a script and I said to myself, I said, okay, I don't have, I can't make this movie like I know how to make movies as a cinematographer. You know, I yeah. would go away for three months and shoot a movie. Yeah. I was like, I can't do that. I, I, I can't, I have to work and I have a family. So what yeah, I did is yeah. I, because of the way the movie was structured, I realized that the Nelly and Darren stuff were separate, almost yeah. like its own movie. Yeah. Yeah. From the other stuff. So what I did is I, I, I basically just slowly picked apart a weekend here, a day here. Yeah. I would just, Darren, like I said, uh, Darren played by David Carvajal. I would call him and Skyhawks played by, you know, Skyhawks who played Nelly. Yeah. I would call them and go, hey, I'm free Thursday. You guys give me five hours. I need to shoot a scene <laughs> where you have a fight, you know, whatever. Yeah. And and that's, that's so I, I, I wrapped on their stuff from January to probably about March. I wrapped their sequences, all yeah. of Darren and Nelly's sequences. And then I was like, okay, so I got... 20 to 30% of the, the film in the can. Right. Um, at that point I had to, I had to find money and actually I have to take the second to shout out to, uh, Joey, Joe Espinoza of PWG lighting who actually, uh, helped produce executive produce the meat of the film. Um, and so I got funding from him and I basically, um, the, the, the movie, if you haven't seen it, a lot of the movie takes place at this pool scene. It's a pool party between yeah, yeah. fraternity, uh, sorority sisters, having a pool party and trying to rekindle old times. So all of those scenes, that's where I had a crew. See the stuff I told you about a moment ago, Darren and Nelly, yeah, yeah. a lot of it. And if you, if 
if you follow me on Instagram at, at bloody underscore drama, you'll see I actually I post a picture from the first shoot I ever did. I was actually photos and video of we didn't we did a rehearsal in a in a Marriott courtyard by Marriott hotel lobby, <laughs> you know, back in January. Yeah. And so that was, I mean, it was like me by myself with boom mics and a couple lobs because yeah. I have, I have my own equipment. And so, and then it sort of, it slowly branched out. So then I said, okay, I'm going to have a three day shoot in July yeah. Yeah. at the pool. Right. So that shoot had, I had a stunt coordinator slash AD. I had a sound, a professional sound man. I had um, a couple of production assistants slash grips, gaffers yeah. and, I shot the movie. I, sh- I, sh- I shot the movie myself, so I shot it in camera op, so I didn't need anyone for that. Um, so it was still a, a ragabond crew, but it was, you know, I'd probably say our, at our height, we had about seven people <laughs> working. <laughs> and also, I have to say, I, uh, a film school friend of mine named Christina Lois, uh, who her and I wrote three feature films together. Yeah. She's an aspiring writer director in uh, New York. I flew her down. I didn't pay her, but I flew her down yeah, to, to from, yeah. from, she was in living in LA. I flew her from LA to, to San Antonio to be sort of my assistant director, not AD, but to like help me. Cause I, I knew that being camera operator and DP and director, I needed someone who's particularly a woman to help with wardrobe or if the girls have any questions about certain things. So her and I, for weeks talking on the phone, we would, I would tell her where I want the scenes to go. And so she, I told, I sent her to the script. I said, get really familiar because there's going to be moments where you'll actually have to help me direct them. Yeah. Talk about, yeah. you know, motivations and what you have to do. So she was, it was, that was like oh, a godsend because it, it helped me so much immensely in getting better shots and sort of being uh, freeing myself. I would still direct the actors, but you know, yeah. in, in, third take of something where I'm sitting there worrying about, you know, light or something, she was able to talk to them and go, all right, here, like right now you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And as you know, there's a couple of sort of, I don't know if I can use the word actiony, but there's sort of fight scenes, I guess I could say. Um, And so, so those were um, the thing I found, which was so great is because in San Antonio, like, there is no such thing as like, I'm a cinematographer and that's all I do. Or yeah, yeah. I'm a sound man and that's all I do. You kind of have to do everything. So my whole crew, I mean, I would literally turn around to them and go, hey, what do you guys think? Should they fight here? Should they fight there? Should she punch her? Should she, you know, and yeah. it was awesome. I mean, I, I still, honestly, that's some of my favorite moments were these moments where everyone just sort of was throwing ideas out. And it honestly, it made the script even better because you know, in the writing, certain things happen. And then the, the sound guy might've said, what about if she grabs her and he throws her over here? And then that makes this whole new, and I was like, Oh man, it's awesome. Let's do it. I, I know I'm not one of these, like, I don't dictatorial, like, no, it's my way guys. This is exactly yeah. how I see it. Um, I write, I write extensive shot lists. I plan out everything, mm-hmm. but I love that because it allows me to throw it in the trash and go, okay, we're doing something totally new. And, and there were, there was a lot of that, especially, like I said, with the pool sequences. Right. So, I mean, did you actually do any sort of storyboarding or anything else or were you just sort of like you, you, you had your idea and you just sort of thought you didn't want to be tied down to anything? Yeah, I, I, I don't I can't draw at all. Yeah. Um, and so I don't do storyboards, but I do. Like I said, I do extensive shot lists to the point like where like one shot might be a paragraph long. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I just for me, 
it's so scatterbrained. You know, you're, you're, I, I wore so many hats. I was producer, director, cinematographer, like lunch coordinator that I was literally like, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta sit and like, hold, I gotta know exactly every shot like that I need to get. Yeah. So yeah. I had it on my phone. I had paper, you know, and I would be, I'd be on set looking at my phone going, guys, give me one second. I would look through my shot list and go, okay, we got one more shot. Now, you know, insert of eyes or whatever it yeah. was. Yeah. And so, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a stickler with that. Sometimes depending on the scene, I might do, um, what I used to do as a cinematographer. I, I take gra- graph paper and I draw a, like a, like a floor plan of the room and yeah. I put the camera, I draw the camera on there and the actors. Positions. And so that helps me kind of understand like, where the camera's going to be and, and they're blocking and it, it just helps save some time in blocking on set yeah, so that yeah. I'm not so, you know, working that through. Cause another thing I'll be honest with you, I, I my time was so limited. I mean, we, I, I don't believe in really long days because I, I'm a crew for yeah, my job. Yeah. So I don't like, I don't like when I'm, you know, working 16 hours, which I do quite frank, quite often. Yeah. So I really, I wanted, you know, I wanted to stick to 10 hours at most, I really wanted to be around eight, but a couple of pull scene days, you know, we went into about, you know, 11, almost 12, but, but, um, but I really am a stickler for, I don't, you know, I I think you can, you know, if you know what you're doing, you can get it done, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, the other joy obviously of, uh, working with, with smaller films is, is the budget itself. So, um, you know, Things like you know, you, things are very tight, and you know you haven't got the luxury of sort of doing you know multiple takes on certain things or playing around with a lot of special effects. How do you actually, as a, as an independent filmmaker, manage that budget and get the best out of it as you possibly can? Well, yeah, yeah. Um, let me think about that. I mean, I think um, for me, I I just yeah. I mean, well, first, I, I guess I'd be remiss not to mention the, the script. I mean, yeah, I I write to what I. You know, I, in the world I'm exhibiting, I'm living in, which by the way, is a dream come true. I'm, I'm so happy about it um, <laughs> is yeah, it's, it's, there are moments you want to pull your hair out. Cause you're like, Oh my God, I, I just, I don't have money and I, I don't have time. And you're just going, man, it kills you. But then the other side you go, I like the freedom of it because I don't have to answer to anybody. And, yeah. and I can really do the exact vision I have. So to answer the question, I think like the script is key to that yeah. is that, you've got to have, you've got to be smart about when you're writing. So I'm, I'm, I'm really like, even the script I'm writing now, I, you know, I'm like, okay, can I get a car dealership? I want to do a scene at a car dealership and I'm writing it, but I'm like, can I get one? So before I get too crazy about writing it, I'm literally sitting there thinking like, oh, I know Ed who runs a car dealership. I, I called him. I, 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 you know, I've called these people and be like, I'm doing a film. It won't be shot for six months, but can I shoot there? Um, with so yeah so it's all like it's about like resources you can get free or inexpensively um and then and then like i said i mean i shoot my own stuff eventually i'd like to get a little bit more budget to hire a cinematographer i think it'll greatly improve my 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 films in general um but as of right now it just i can't you know i can't afford it so so i'm all about okay, so I'm going to camera up a DP. So that means I'm saving money there. And I, I like, I think I, I'm good enough to do it. Yeah. Um, and then it's just all that stuff. Um, you know, can I, can I get away with a, Oh, it's just a quick scene at Darren running through the woods. Can I get away with that being me and Darren, the actor, uh, David Carball and, and one assistant, yeah. which that day, if I, if I'm smart about it, I could get some really cool kind of creepy fun shots for like $250. 
Yeah. And yeah. so the budget of the film, full disclosure, was around 6000 roughly. I say roughly just because I did some really bad uh, – I'm paying for it in accounting, by the way. But I didn't, <laughs> I didn't do great notes on exactly every dollar. So, uh, so, but I, I know it was around six k, and so um, probably a little over – but so, so that just gives you a, a, an idea of how much I own the, I own my own camera. Yeah. So there's no rentals there. I have lights. I have a bunch of lights that I own previous to the movie way before. So like none of this was rentals. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's just like, it's just for me, it's like thinking about, well, where can I shoot? And I pay everybody. I don't do any free. I will yeah. never do a free day. Now, having said that I might do one day if, 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 if it's like, I need David Carbajal to run down a street one shot. Yeah. Um, I'll call yeah. him. We're friends and I'll call him and go, Dave, I, I, can you just do this for, it's just a favor. I'll literally, it's an hour. I promise. And you know, three hours later, but, <laughs> but yeah, so he, and he, you know, and he comes out and, and, you know, so, so stuff like that's free per se sometimes, but, but no, I mean, I, I budget in, you know, actor salary and, and crew and all that, but yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, you gotta, you just gotta be really smart. I actually been like, fantasizing about doing my own YouTube channel called DIY filmmaking yeah. and just sort of talking about like what you can really get done. Cause I, I really, from these films, I've, I've been telling people more and more like friends of mine that, that have scripts where I'm like, man, go make it. Like you could do it. You might not think so, but I'm telling you, man, it's like, just, just do it. Like, don't, don't overthink it. You know, maybe you have to tweak a scene to or two to like shrink it down a little bit, you know, yeah, but, yeah. but I'm like, it's more about telling stories. So who cares? You know, I, I, I you know, and so, um, and like I said, I, I, I just keep this the script. I keep it in, in a tight area. So yeah. like it doesn't get too blown up and it's like, suddenly I have a fight scene on the top of the Alamo dome downtown <laughs> San Antonio where it's like how or a helicopter fight scene, you know, like, like it's just, it's just, yeah, I'd love to do stuff like that, but yeah, you know, it's not in the cards at this point. I mean, the other thing, which is, you know, is the, adv you know, the advent of obviously, you know, streaming services and those type of things. So how did you approach distribution and sort of, you know, was getting your film onto Amazon a, you know, a big, you know, a, um, you know, a difficult process? Okay, so um, I, I, I I go back to my my, my plug to Sleepover, uh, yeah. available on Amazon Prime. Get it? <laughs> um, we'll make it sure is, it's in the show notes. Uh, that was the fit. Yeah, that that is the I, because I can't answer it without that only from the standpoint of Screen Time Films. Yeah. Um, basically hired me to make this film is the best way to say it. Yeah. Um, and so my this film unless something went sideways, this film was guaranteed Amazon distribution because screen time films has a contract with Amazon film, right. Amazon prime video. So when I started, so I got to tell you, I have to add to the budget thing for a second. Yeah. That is instrumental by the way, because yeah. what I was allowed to offer, unlike I was on anything I've ever done, I told the actors and anyone working on it, I said, look, you know, I don't have a lot of money, but I'm, what I'm telling, I'm, I have, access to it will be on video on demand sites yeah, uh yeah. particularly back then it was only uh going to be prime amazon prime and then dvds and i said look you they're going to scream time films makes really cool dvds you're going to get a dvd um and and so that is okay, so no festivals uh i didn't do anything with distribution quite frankly the film right. wrapped yeah the film, i edited it and i sent it to scream time 
Um, obviously, you know, the, I guess the only technical thing, not to be boring, but uh, you, I have to do closed captioning, which yeah, costs yeah. a little money because I, I can't, I don't do it myself. So I, it was like a hundred bucks. But so there, you know, you got to do closed captioning because Amazon says, you know, you have to have closed captioning now. Uh, it's a new policy, about two years old. But so there's that, you know. But but other than formatting the film properly so that it go, it, you know, it's the right kind of format digitally yeah. for Amazon. Yeah. I didn't do any anything outside of I, you know, I don't know if this is part of the if this is part of where the question. But um, the thing I the thing I've been doing and it so fortunate to have met you is I've done a lot of work, hard work in trying to spread the movie through Twitter yeah, and, yeah, and, and yeah. Uh, Instagram particularly and a little bit on Facebook. But, um, but so that was before, before, um, before the film went live, so to speak on Amazon. Um, you know, I, I just had done a lot of trying to network with people on, on, uh, and people who started following me on Instagram would be like, man, this looks really cool. I'm, I'm really excited about it. So I would do like, coming soon and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I had the luxury, excuse me. I, I had the luxury of that, which is, is such a, such a blessing. Like I can't <laughs> even, like, I just, you know what I mean? I, I mean, I know there's people listening, filmmakers, and I know there's other, it's like, I know what it's like, you know, I trust me. I mean, that, that not having that, you're making a film and you're just kind of going, all right, well, I'm going to, you know, do festivals, hope that works out. Yeah. And then yeah. try to grab some distribution. Now, going back briefly for a second, and this is going back 10 years, maybe, yeah. 2007, 2008, um, I did a lot of research before I really stepped foot into the waters of horror, which was I read a few articles about video on demand and the future. And yeah. Yeah. these articles did say clearly they said horror and comedy. Don't even waste your time with drama unless you have Tom Hanks. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding. You. I mean, these <laughs> yeah, are yeah. articles. So like. That played a lot in my mind, and I don't want to sound like an opportunist or that I'm sitting there going, you know, oh, I, I just, I really wanted to make films that people saw, you know, and, yeah, and like yeah, I said, yeah. I had been a part of a lot of independent films, a lot of independent drama films that went nowhere in New York that I shot, and it was really depressing because you'd spend three months shooting something yeah, you're so proud yeah, of, and then yeah. the director would tell you a year later, he'd be like, well, look, it's going nowhere. Now, this was before Video On Demand exploded, mm. streaming services, like mm. you said, but still, like I, I was fortunate enough to have found that article and like read it, and I was like, I was like, all right, all right, and you know, so that's when I really was like, I was like, Blair Witch. I have to just take a, a side real quick. I know it's it's a very controversial film, but Blair Witch is probably the most seminal film for me in terms of the, where I am sitting right now, being so fortunate to talk to you. Is yeah. is, is that film just? I I'll never forget sitting in film forum in New York City watching another movie and the trailer for Blair Witch came on. And I was like, what the f is that? Like, I was like, they, they, somebody filmed something and these kids were murdered and there's actually real footage. I thought it was real. Yeah. So when I went to the movie, I was yeah. like, and so I was like, I was like the whole movie. I remember I did this a lot, you know, I'm like, going, <laughs> Oh God. Oh God. What's around? And I remember thinking, I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to try to tap into that the true nature of fear and like, and I'm nowhere near there, by the way, I'm trying, that, that's my goal someday. But like, man, I mean, so I just wanted to take a sidebar there. I mean that, and so I remember that being the moment where I, I think it was like 98, maybe 96. I don't remember when the film came out, but that was when I was like, I was like, this genre 
is is insane if you can really try to tap into that sort of like visceral you know thing and and if you see sleepover you will see that's definitely like it's it's such a wannabe player witch on every level <laughs> um uh because like i said that, that's that's really innately you know that i guess just the fear of the dark and someone walking around with a camera in the dark just yeah. i was like that that's an awesome thing obviously bloody drama is a total departure from that and much more focused for me on story and, and characters. And, and obviously I wanted to have some creepy, you know, scary stuff, but it was like just a different departure. And honestly, after sleepover, I was like, I wanted to challenge myself and go, I was like, okay, I did that. I don't know if it worked at all, but now it's time to sort of try to grow as a filmmaker and, and learn, you know, make more character stuff and, you know, try to develop, you know, the tension and the fear yeah. and that yeah. stuff through the lens and, and that kind of thing, and through shots. Yeah, I mean, you know, so we kind of, you know, you, you mentioned in Blair Witch there. I mean, it's it, it, it is a film that did. I mean, it, it changed how films are made, how we look. You know, it, it, you know, it created that. You know, the entire you know uh, found footage genre. You know, and which in some you know, which is you know, people sort of thought this was going to you know that will be it from now on. Uh, you know, that's all that we're going to see is found footage things. But actually, nobody's been able to been able to truly, really capture that that that's sort a of lightning in a bottle moment. There's been some very, very good found footage films, but that sort of that level of terror that that film was able to bring, um, you know, it makes it stand you know stand alone. So it kind of brings me to my, my next question is, you know, I mean, we've mentioned American Werewolf in London. Are there other other you know other films in horror or in sci-fi that sort of you know stood you know have always stood out for you when you go back and you revisit time and time again? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the first Alien or Alien, I guess I should just say. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, forget it. That movie, you know, sci-fi horror, like uh, kind of almost making its own genre in a in a weird way. Um, you know, uh, uh, I mean, that movie. I remember as a kid just being. I think it came out in '79. I was born in '75, but. Yeah probably saw it in the early 83 probably something like that maybe <laughs> around that time and just being like like holy shit like what an incredible work of art that film is um you know that that's one that comes to mind uh the shining obviously yeah uh yeah. masterpiece i'm a huge kubrick fan i full disclosure huge kubrick fan <laughs> uh which means nothing because who isn't you know i mean like wow he's a kubrick fan that's a that's a rich yeah, yeah um so yeah i mean the Shining's insane and, and incredible, and, and uh, um, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Other than that, I mean, you know, those two films. Uh, I mean, honestly, I think personally, I think 2001 is a horror film. It's a, it's, yeah, it's a, no, it, it's a veiled horror film, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, 2001 is, um, you know, it's. It, it, I remember uh, sitting in a small. Uh, I think I was in. Uh, I was in university at the time and being sat in a in a tiny little art house um, cinema in Cardiff and watching it. Um, and I think there was myself, uh, a friend of mine, and uh, I think so, an, an old couple have just sort of you know just sort of wandered in off the street, um, you know, and they were sat at the back watching it. And I remember actually, you know, there are moments in that film that you know the the, the level of tension. I mean, it's a masterpiece, isn't it? It is a masterpiece of a film, and it is, you know, are, are truly horrifying. And people sort of talk about sort of horror elements. Well, it has it in abundance. 
Um, and it does, doesn't it? And I mean, sci-fi is something that lends itself yeah. very nicely, doesn't it, to that sort of that crossover between horror and sci-fi. The, the line is very, very thin, very, very thin. Yeah, and you know, a side note to that is one of my probably one of my favorite genres. I don't know if it's its own genre or however you want to say it, but it's this sort sort of idea of this like lo-fi sci-fi. Uh, yeah, I, this isn't a horror film, but uh, but like Eternal Sunshine is one of my favorite movies yeah, ever yeah, made. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I love like I'm trying to think. I can't think of it off the top of my head of a, a horror one of those. But like that idea of being able to sort of take like like twelve monkeys in a way is like that. You know, yeah, like, like yeah. taking sci-fi, but it's like it's not like people walking around glass rooms and like these over stylized like yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah. It's more like. It's more like in this room I'm in, but it happens to be Black Mirror actually does a really, yeah. really great job of this. Yeah. It's sort of incorporating science, science and sci-fi into settings that I'm just like, oh, that's a room that I could live in right now. Yeah. Yet there's yeah. weird tablets on the roof and the ceilings and stuff. And I, you know, that 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 being able to build that out from to horror is such a like a cool thing. I, it's one of my favorite things when I see that. I, Black Mirror is probably the best example I can think yeah. of off the top of my yeah. head in doing that but you know just that like uh you know it's things turning on you or maximum overdrive example you yeah, know like, yeah. like where it's like you know trucks deciding that they're over it you know humans <laughs> don't need to be around trucks are have moved on you know stuff like that i mean that's so cool like i mean it's you know it's such an incredible thing and so yeah i mean i i, I but but yeah those are the films that, that stick out you know yeah. kind of off the top of my head i mean um, and so, I mean, you know, it's the same as you. I, I could mention 70 films probably if I just thought about it. <laughs> so before we sort of wrap things up, is there anything that you would sort of, you know, what advice would you give to any sort of indie filmmakers out there who are, you know, who are just like, you know, just about to sort of, you know, dip their toe in or they've, they've, they've started the right, you know, they've started right there and they're, you know, what's the advice that you would give them? The advice I would give is, I think, first, write what you know, not only what you know, but like your surroundings, things you have access to so that you can make films for easily ease for ease of, of production and for lower budgets and make a lot of films yeah. um, because, you know, this bloody drama was my second narrative feature Um I've done documentary, two documentaries, but, but my second narrative horror feature and I'm like, a, I, I kind of consider myself an infant in, in the film sort of knowledge and, and ability as a director, writer, all those things. Yeah. And it's, I'm so excited because it's like, I'm going to move on to my next one. And, and so I just, I, I, I really think the best way to think about things is to sort of create a long-term tra trajectory for yourself. Yeah. You think about, you know, okay, I'm going to make, I'm going to start, I'm going to make this horror movie and, you know, really like start small, you know, there's nothing wrong with a movie about a couple people in a room for a while and then branch out, you know, like, you know, like, uh, like I said, start small, have fun, you know, and then, and then really, really think about it, especially if you're new and younger, but it doesn't matter if you're 80, you know, whatever, <laughs> but, you know, really see it as a long-term trajectory. Don't see it as like, I'm going to make Citizen Kane right out the gate here and then branch off from there. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there is a humility. There's a humility aspect to it that I had to learn myself, by the way. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's really coming to it saying to myself, wow, man, doing a film is brutal, tough, but <laughs> yeah. fun and awesome. 
And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna like give myself to it and just be like, I'm gonna, I want to hear what the, I want to hear every word the actors are thinking about their character. And even, like I said, um, I'll give you an example. Uh, Madison, uh, Madison played. Uh, I think I, I, I'm gonna put her last name. I think it's Warbacher. Yeah. She played um, Megan in the film. She wore the pink uh, with love on it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Not love. Is it dope? Anyway, long story short, she. Uh, Say again? Is it, didn't she have dope written on the front? Was that what, that was that Megan? On her swimsuit, was it dope? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it better than me. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, there are events that happen later in the film, and, 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 and she, she wrote me two nights before we shot that scene, and she goes, hey, I was thinking about it, and what if my character does this? And I, I was like, at first, at my first instinct, honestly, I was like, I was like, oh, man. I got too much crap to think about. Like I, yeah. <laughs> I can't even get into this. And then as the day came closer and I started thinking about what she said, I was like, that's actually really awesome. Like that's a better way to go. Then on set, I just, I, I kind of like forgot to mention it to her. Yeah. And I guess in her mind, that was like a, a green light and she went there with it. And I remember shooting and the scene happens in front of my camera about three feet from the lens and I, it was all not supposed to happen this way. I had to rack focus to get it. Everything sort of like botched a bit, but it was, I'm looking at it and I looked at my co-director or assistant or whatever, Christina Lois. And I was like, Oh, I was like, Oh my God, it's going, it's so good. You know? And I was like, we cut and I literally yelled out to the crew. I was like, that was amazing. That's incredible. You know? And it was one of those moments where I was like, okay, like we're hitting on something here. I think that moment's going to really, make something it's going to make the film honestly it, it happens at a key moment too in the movie and so i just you know in in taking this back to your question it's like just that just shoot as much as you can make as many films keep your stuff within the context of what you can make don't worry about getting a million dollars 200 million dollars <laughs> for now and and then when you do it have an ultimate collaboration like allow listen to your spouse listen to your best friends listen to the actors listen to the sound guy to the person bringing the the, the donuts to set listen <laughs> to everyone and because they they're going to come telling you but people will blow you away they have great ideas and you, so a long-winded answer but you know all the hey, way around that that's that would be my advice that's great mr bresler you are a scholar and a gentleman now before we <laughs> wrap things up where can the good people find you on social media or wherever, wherever they can find anything to do with your movies, anything at all. This is, you know, please plug away. Let, let rip. Okay. So, uh, the movie's called bloody drama. It's available at Amazon prime video, bloody drama. Uh, you, you search it there. It's also on Amazon, uh, prime video. Uh, I, I, I should have been better prepared, but dot UK, uh, in, in the UK on Amazon. Uh, we're also now, I think, globally available on Vimeo On Demand. That's Vimeo On Demand, bloody drama. So I, I know that on, on Instagram, I've had a lot of people with having problems seeing it that are friends of mine from France and, and Saudi Arabia and Russia. Um, so I think, I believe, I can't be quoted 100%, but I believe that you can now see it on Vimeo globally. I, I looked into it. it. It seems to be indicate that it's all available that way. So anyway, so, uh, that's bloody drama. You can find me on Instagram at bloody drama under blood. Sorry. You can find me on Instagram <laughs> at 
bloody underscore drama. Um, and also on Twitter at cinema 1975 one. Um, and that's kind of also where that's my little, that's my YouTube, by the way, if you want to go on YouTube and watch, I have like 180 videos on YouTube of my career. You can also at cinema 1975 on YouTube, watch a bunch of videos. Uh, and, um, I'm doing a really great job at this. Um, uh, <laughs> Facebook, on Facebook, uh, Bloody Drama on Facebook. That's it. Just you would search uh, on Facebook, Bloody Drama. It has its own web page, uh, own Facebook page. Uh, and um, we uh, and also you can buy the hard copy DVD or VHS, depending on what you need, um, at ScreenTimeFilms.com. That's ScreenTimeFilms.com, and that's for to purchase the DVD. There are seven different unique. Um, uh, poster art for the DVDs. Uh, we did that for the actors so that they're, you'll see. Um, and so there are seven different unique, different ones. You can select the one you like the best. Um, as you'll see, once you see the film, the, the, the main, uh, antagonist, so to speak, uh, emoji as I call them, um, (laughs) or the emoji killer, whatever, whatever suits you, uh, has a really cool mask. So that mask is uh, is one of the posters and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, and so if you follow me on all those places, I think in the coming weeks we're going to start doing a little bit of giveaways, DVD giveaways. I'm actually going to possibly give away the mask signed by the actor who played it. Um, so, yeah, come and follow us and check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and, and a lot more to come. I'm writing a new film called Blanca. That'll start being all over Instagram. I'll start promoting that and all that fun stuff. And here, thank you so much for having me part of the show. And I I'm, I'm, can't even tell you how excited I am to do this. And I've been looking forward to it for a long time. It's no, just I, awesome. Thank the, you so much. Not a problem at all. And uh, I can, you know, I say this to uh, all the people that we like on the show. You have got an open invitation to come back on. Um, and you know, maybe we'll be able to get you back. Oh, on yeah. and, we'll, and we'll uh, and we'll <laughs> talk and we'll talk. We'll we won't talk one of your films. We'll dissect somebody else's. So uh, you know, you got an open I would invitation. Love to do that. I, you got an open. I can talk about film 100 percent of the time. So yes, <laughs> if you ever just oh man, we need someone last minute, call me up. Let me know. I'm in. That's it. You're in the diary now. You know to quote the line from The Godfather: "The one you thought you were out, we'll pull you back in. We'll pull you back in." <laughs> Colin, awesome. thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it, and I'll make sure that we get all as many links as we possibly can in the show notes. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, our time together is almost up. All that's left for me to do is to say a big thank you to uh, Leighton for being on. Uh, always a pleasure to record with him. And I want to say thank you to Colin for giving up time and uh, answering the questions. And uh, guys, get out there and support his film. Bloody Drama's available on uh, Amazon Prime. I'll put the link in the show notes, so get yourselves over there and uh, check out his movie. You can also check out his other movie, Sleepover, as he said, which is also on Amazon Prime. So, as always, I want to give a couple shout-outs to my gothy gal pals, CL Raven. Guys, remember, their Etsy shop is available, so you can buy their merchandise, you can buy their books, their jewellery, loads of other great stuff, so get yourself over up to their Etsy shop and follow them on Instagram and on Twitter. 
you can also remember now you can follow the show this show that's right the undead wookie so which is you know the show's running at nearly two hours so if you haven't realized that you're listening to the undead wookie then what have you been doing uh you can follow us on instagram on facebook and on twitter Give us some love on iTunes. Give us some five stars. And get all, you know, help us spread the word. Spread the love, people. Spread the love. Um, I want to give a big shout out to my man Blake over at Spivey Point on Twitter. Uh, CJ over at VHS Revival. Uh, as always, I want to say hello to Joel, Peter, and Daryl over at Retro Movie Geek. And Peter will be joining me on the next episode where we're going to be discussing Barbarella. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. So that should be awesome. Uh, also, remember, get yourselves over to the Horror Movie Podcast. And you can listen to Jay the Dead and Wolfman Josh and Dr. Shock. Uh, it's a great, great show. Brilliant, brilliant show. Um, I know Land of the Creeps is on a bit of a hiatus at the moment. So uh, keep right for when that show reappears. And, of course, we've got Al and Jeff over at CadaverCast, father and son team. Brilliant, brilliant show. Uh, and fingers crossed we'll be able to get them on you know, sooner rather than later, where we're going to, you know, we've been discussing talking some Ray Harryhausen. So uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, is about that. So in the immortal words of Count Dracula, good night out there, whatever you are. Bom 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 for dang and dang dang for ding and on ding blue moon moon blue moon dip 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 moon 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 dip 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 moon 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 dip 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 bom 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 for dang and dang dang for ding and on ding blue moon 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 you saw me standing Dang it, dang, dang, for ding it on me. You knew just what I was there for. Heard me say it, Cadavercast, you've been listening to the Undead Wookiee. The best.